Blessings and welcome back to Pew Babies. Your apostolic. Mike, you said you don't like millennial. So what are we saying now? Young we can, adult. Uh, we'll say our apostolic young adult podcast. Yeah, apostolic young adult podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Mike. And to God be the glory. That's all, all I can say. To God be the glory. For all the things. All of the things. <laughs> Just all the things. All of the things. What kind of day? It's It's been crazy. How has your week been, Mike? Let's start there. <laughs> My week has been cray-cray, okay? So I've been holding the HR department down by myself all week this week. And because, wow. you know, like half of our leaders in our building uh, were out at a conference this week. And... So there was no leadership in the building. Um, one of my coworkers had death in her family. So she had her mother-in-law passed. And then oh. on the way to the funeral, someone else died. So it was just crazy. Oh um, then another coworker was out sick this week. So it was just crazy. And then I started PTO yesterday, but I ended up working from home yesterday. Woke up still working from home remotely today. My boss had to say, please close your computer. Don't respond to anything else. Just... It is what it is. So um, I've been putting fires and stuff out this week, but hopefully, you know, everything will be all right when I get back to work on Tuesday. So we'll see. Mm. How about you? Um, It's been rough. Y'all keep me in prayer. Yesterday was a really hard. I don't even know what happened, but I was just like, <laughs> today is not a good, I was just, I just left work. I was like, today is not a good day. And it wasn't a bad day. I just left it feeling horrible. And so, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, God is to God be. To God be. To, to glory. God like, be the glory. I get all. it. That's all I got to say. Is I get it. I this get kind it. of week to God be. So our opener for this week in memoriam of hallelujah night because you know we don't celebrate halloween the saints i don't know mike did y'all celebrate halloween did you dress up so my like i said my parents were a little bit more liberal on that kind of stuff so i did dress up one year as a ghost um one year for halloween at nine (laughs) and i did go trick-or-treat in like a couple years like when i was six and then when i was ten uh, after that, I mean, I just didn't have a general interest in Halloween after that. Like, I was just like, okay. Like, I just didn't have a general interest in Halloween. I still don't now. Like, it's just not really my thing. Um, but my parents were never the type to say, like, as a child anyway, to be like, nah, you can't. Like, they didn't, you know, as long as, like, we were out there safely with an adult, they won't take and be trick-or-treating. They won't. But, wow. you know, like, if a if an adult cousin or stuff or something was going, like, they would let me go um like that way but um but like i said as a child just after that really wasn't interested as i got older like halloween is my least favorite (laughs) thing now how about you uh no we didn't we we did like i remember dressing up as esther Mm -hmm. for halloween night because you know we did the hybrid thing so we would go to church and get our candy 
And um, we had to do like a who am I? Because everybody came in with sheets. like so, so you had to give them like a poem or like a riddle as to who you mm. were with facts because we all look the same. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, that is funny. Do you think that you would like, I guess this is the first church controversy for tonight. <laughs> We're not doing church controversy for the opener, but would I you see where you're going, but let's open it up. Let's have a conversation. To do Halloween? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Are we passing not this- down the tradition? No, we're not. Um, absolutely not. This day and time, like just with everything going on, the way people are mean now, like when we went trick-or-treating, like in the 90s, it was a different day, you know. Like I grew up in a small town, so you kind of knew everybody. So I would have known if somebody who we could we could trace back if somebody did some harm to our candy, put some fit and all in it, we could easily trace it back. But like mm-hmm. in today's society, for one, I would not like have my take my kids trick-or-treating just because, like I said, I'm I'm not into it, but I just people are so mean now. I would definitely take my kids to Hallelujah Night, um, Harvest Festival, whatever you want to call it. But I would never take my my kids trick or treat. Now I wouldn't stop them from participating in stuff at school. It's just that you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna have on a costume unless it is maybe a biblical character, like you said. I do like that idea, but no, I'm not. <laughs> that's something that we ain't gonna do <laughs> what about you your kid coming and somebody being like who are you they're like i'm peter right <laughs> <laughs> i am jesus what <laughs> um yeah no i i i liked how we did it i liked the hybrid mode of like doing something at church um I, we went to like a maybe like a year or two ago me and my friends went like to a corn maze and did stuff like that just like you said to like because it's fall you know but i don't as far as halloween is concerned no my kid would not be participating in that unless it's like a church related activity um you know and i think you raised a good point because i did see an article about fentanyl looking like skittles and stuff like that and uh, i see if somebody gives my kid fentanyl at church like i know who go fight I know who to go, <laughs> who to go sue. But like, if you know right. in these bigger cities and stuff, you take your kids, you don't know who to trace that back to, you know. So yeah. I just always say, like, don't. I wouldn't. Can we be honest? Do they need all that candy? No, they don't. Like, like because, because like, candy, why would you tap your children like that? Sugar, like they don't need it. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah. okay. So the actual opener that we want to do this week. Our scary church stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, pretend we are at a campfire outside and share with us your most scariest church story. Woo. Okay. Um, scary church story um i have quite a few you want something psychological or you want something more halloweenish oh okay i want to hear both i'm gonna be honest we okay so today. we'll start we'll start with the halloween one so right. halloweenish so picture it the year is 2004 it's the first sunday in december 13 years old sitting at my church it's communion sunday right so the church is quiet. The bishop is up preaching and my bishop was not a hooper. So it wasn't like 
Like if you if we were to play a tape back from that Sunday, he wouldn't be up there with his hand over around his ear, like ah, you know, and music playing. He was not that type of preacher. He's te- teaching, you know. He'll be talking loud. He'll teach. So there's a lot of quiet space in this particular, you know, service. So this woman sitting to the back, and I'm not gonna call her name in case her relatives or she's listening to this podcast. She speaks in tongues at a turn. So, you know, at first, nobody pays attention to it. Because, like, again, our church, it was very seldom that somebody would just speak out in tongues, like, while he was preaching. Because he he was, not that he, he couldn't preach, that just wasn't his preaching style. Like, you had to really be listening to grasp what he was talking about, right? So, anyway, she goes again to speak in tongues, like, at a turn. So she starts doing it so much. He says, such and such, I need you to calm down. She's still going at it. She was like, the Lord is going to kill you in the pulpit. What? The Lord is, he's going to bring judgment to this pulpit. He's going to bring judgment to this house. Like she went in. Finally, the deacons started to get up and walk back to where she was. She finally, finally, like, started to shut up. When I tell you, people were all in the prayer line that Sunday, <laughs> crying. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. The deacons had, like, gotten up. One of the deacons was about to grab his gun because it was just like, what we're not going to do is play with the bishop today. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. It was. I, but, you know, I had never seen anything like that, right? Like, I just remember just sitting beside my cousin in church like we usually did at that time. And this just happened. So it was probably one of the most, like, scariest things that I've seen that I saw, like, happen in church in real time. So they finally got her, you know, subdued and got her to shut up. And that was her last Sunday that she came to the church. (laughs) Pretty scary stuff. That was a great story. I'm sorry. That was a great story. (laughs) The psychological one, which anybody knows me, I don't, I hate horror films, but I love a good psychological thriller, right? Mm -hmm. I'm an Alfred Hitchcock fan and a Twilight Zone fan. Like, that's me. Black and white, you know, from the 1950s. I love something that makes you think, they'd be like, "Mm, probably the scariest thing psychologically they had a habit of prophesying doom right Mm -hmm. so i remember i had not yet received the gift of the holy ghost and i remember one of the ministers elders at the time he's a he was a deacon then but he's an elder now saying it was prophesied here back in the 60s that there was going to come a day that nobody would receive the holy ghost so here I am at my little old age of like 14. I'm like, so that mean I'm, not, I'm, I'm never going to get saved? Does that mean I'm, I'm not going to get saved? So, yeah, he would say that. Like, they would get up there. It says, come a day. It was prophesied. It said that would be a day that nobody would get saved. And then to add insult to injury, during this time, the saints would testify about dreams they had about the rapture. Oh, yeah. There was one deacon that stood up and said, the Lord showed him that after he dies, it won't be too much longer after the rapture would take place. So every time like the phone rang for a long time, 
I thought it was saying that he was going to die because I just knew once he died, like the rapture was going to take place. That was a testimony one time about how uh, this one of the missionaries had a dream that it was raining fire in the streets. And again, I don't have the Holy Ghost. So I'm like literally shaking in my boots because not only did you prophesy to say that nobody received the Holy Ghost, you also getting up and testifying these doom testimonies about the coming of the Lord. And so it played with my mind, but thank God I finally received the Holy Ghost 2007 that gave my life to the Lord because I was really creeped out. And I think I got I was scared. So I got saved because I was scared. You know, I got mm-hmm. saved because I was scared that, you know, either A, like I was gonna die and go to hell, or B, I was gonna miss the rapture, or C, I didn't want to keep, you know, getting in these prayer lines, whatever, and getting scared into these prayer lines. So yeah, that was my and I got many more psychological thrillers that happened to me, but I, I think they're a little bit too specific. So I'll definitely <laughs> save those but yes how about you Ron there was one where saints were giving honor to a spirit that wasn't Christ in their testimonies and that kind of scared me that scared me a lot actually but anyway (laughs) moving on from that one um I think a lot of my scary stories are surrounded around like demons getting cast out so like we used to have like crazy altar calls when I was growing up. And at one point someone like picked up the pew with a person on it. Um, <laughs> or people would bite while they were being like, yeah, it was just a lot of uh-uh. Mike, the lights in the background tapes. I can't. <laughs> what? The lights in your background tapes. <laughs> Um, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) We gotta pray, but yes. (laughs) Like you're telling this story in the light in the light. Oh no! (laughs) But it's more or less like things like that, like seeing like demons getting cast out or something. A lot of my like scary stuff came from my own dreams. Like when I was a kid, I had a dream that this like it was like this really big snake. It ate the people in the back of the church, and then it went to the front, ate the praise team, and then it started eating the pulpit. And what's crazy is that somebody else at my church had a very similar dream, and like our bishop had interpreted it as like that the devil is no longer sitting in the back of the church; he's coming to attack the ministry, and and so that was really crazy. But it was just like stuff like that that was kind of scary. And you'd be like, well, people, t- when saints talk about their dreams or prophecies or like things like that, it kind of gets scary. Also, I kind of get scared when people turn their lights off or down for like communion and stuff. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> like- oh, funny story, <laughs> funny story. So I was just having this conversation, I think, with um, a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So growing up, in church so we we had service three nights a week right yeah and so every night before service we had 30 minutes prayer so from 7 to 7 30 was prayer but it was like on your knees prayer but they would like dim the lights during the prayer and this seemed normal to me as a kid because that's what we were used to yeah. as an adult in hindsight i'm like 
first of all, what was the purpose of dimming the lights? But two, like that just seems so kind of grim a little bit, you know, because yeah. I know we did it in DC too. We would have prayer, like they they would dim the lights and or turn the lights off. And I'm like, does the Lord not send his power if the lights are on? So or com- communion. Now, I kind of see why and I don't. I don't Why see it. I don't see it for, for communion. communion. But we understand. used to turn, we used to dim the lights for communion. And so what happened was growing up, we had the type of lights where you could actually dim them, like with the little with the little switch. Mm-hmm. But then somehow they had like they had an electrician, I guess, redo the lights. So you either flipped on or flipped off. So a lot of times they got flipped off and they would turn on just like the flood, not the flood lights, but the recess lighting yeah for like communion and stuff but even i just to like in hindsight i don't know that i would turn lights off and stuff for communion or for prayer you know like yeah i just don't know that I would. there do was that. an event that i went to and i were i don't know if you were there it was in dc this is so specific i'm so sorry <laughs> which wait if but what they they was have they were having like an honorary service or something, and they turned off all the lights and they walked with flashlights, like or they dimmed the lights and they walk with flashlights. That sounds very on brand though. So I and don't... I, I can't remember why they did it, but I was just like, why? Like I, honestly, even if they had a reason why, I didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I, why are we walking with flashlights through the church? The church could light. be scary. Like it already has like creepy noises sometimes, especially these old churches. Like it can be. Well, I remember like growing up, and I'm gonna tell you what was scary was when I was growing up. For some reason, the power with lights, the lights would go out in church, right? Yeah. And they were those emergency lights <laughs> would come on because we had those like emergency light things they're like i don't see too many people with them now but it was like these emergency lights so they would come on it would just be the creepiest thing or i remember like one time sitting in service and there was a storm because growing up we didn't cancel church like that like if it was raining if it was storming if it was snowing we were still gonna have service somehow kind of church i'm so sorry But I remember one the, the lights went out. Like it was lightning real bad. And the lights went out. And it was only out for like a few minutes. But like the way our church was set up, it was like big, uh, kind of big and creepy. Mm-hmm. It was just like you just didn't want to be in there with all the lights out. So we had a New Year's service like that where literally all the electric went out, the power went out in the whole like area. Mm-hmm. It was probably the best service we ever had. Service in the dark. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> and when people adjusted to it, it got better. But when you can't, I guess maybe that's why people turn off the lights. Because when you can't see people, people like actually get into the service and involved. So it ended up yeah. being like probably the best New Year's Eve service we had. But yeah. All right. That's enough scary stuff for me because. I got the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do we have any church announcements? Actually, we do. We have some really good announcements this week, I feel like. Ooh. I wanted to say good ones, but some some pretty juicy ones. Um, 
in light of everything that's going on. So um, first and foremost, praise the Lord, everybody. We first and foremost want to welcome you to another episode of the Pew Babies podcast, your apostolic young adult podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we ask that you subscribe to our podcast, whether you listen to us on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you subscribe and that you, if you're enjoying the show, that you share it with a friend or a loved one. Um, Our first announcement um, says Kanye's Christian Private School Donda Academy closes down. Kanye West Private School, the Donda Academy, closed down effective immediately. According to reports, families are wondering how to get their tuition money back from the California Christian Private School after an email to parents informed them that the school was shut down for the remainder of the year. Kanye's controversial $15,000 a year school has abruptly shut its doors, reports say, amid a backlash over his anti-Semitic comments appeared to confirm the closure in a since-deleted Instagram post. Students at the $15,000 a year school, Donda Academy, were uniforms designed by Balenciaga. Imagine, okay. (laughs) Not just stopping. I can't go ahead with your thoughts. <laughs> Literally, sorry. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I'm in these TikTok streets and I stumbled upon their morning routine at the school. Mm-hmm. And they do this thing like, good morning, Donda. Good morning, Donda. Mike, talk about scary. <laughs> like, it was giving like some creepy kids in a hallway, like, the chance that they did. And I'm like, y'all are talking to his mom. Like it was, or I guess this, I guess if the school's called Donda, you're saying good morning to the school, but it's, it's really creepy. So I was already like, is this is giving cult. The school was giving cult to me. Um, so let's start there. I'm honestly, I'm happy that they shut that down that whole thing. Cause it was looking really scary. And you see his little daughter North there. And I'm just like, it's some weird stuff happening. Now to talk about Kanye. There's a lot going on with Kanye. Um, He really just needs, he needs a therapist and he needs to know Christ for real. And that's all, like, honestly, those are my comments for him. Those are like, will continue to be my comments for him. We could talk about so many controversies with him. We could talk about the shirts, White Lives Matter shirt. We could talk about him showing up as Skechers, uninvited. Oh my God. We can talk about all the things he has said about black people before these comments that he said more more recently. But um, Kanye has been problematic since his mom has passed. And I shouldn't even say problematic. He's been you can tell that he really like lost. He's lost. And I just hope that somebody who's close to him really shows him Christ um, and gets him to understand. And I hope this situation humbles him. Because you could tell that he still has like a huge ego, but um, I don't know. We got to keep him in prayer. Everybody should have an opportunity for prayer and redemption. And I, I feel like he wants to get out of whatever he's in, but, and it's so sad that all of this is so public, but yeah. Jesus and therapy for Kanye. Yeah, same. Um, first of all, this just goes to show you how out of the loop I am. I didn't even know he had a school. Um, and people were sending their kids to this said school, which is even more shocking. But anyway, praise God. I don't know if I'm sending my five-year-old, six-year-old to a school that's, that we're paying $15,000 a year to go to. Um, but to God be the glory. 
Um, here's the thing, like I I I, I want to see it for Kanye, and I definitely want him to get help and get help immediately. You know, see a therapist. You know, I got one I can recommend to you, but also to seek seek Jesus, whatever. And I think that Kanye does have great potential to be very influential in the right areas right mm-hmm. um but and and to be able to lead and be able to be a global influence whatever but i think that his energy is placed in the wrong area and it's very much so a lot of misplaced energy like you said and it's been that way since his mother passed um i remember when kanye kind of first came out and i was you know we we i saw it for him right um but you know now it's just a lot you know, it seems to be a lot going on with him, you know, mentally. And that's why I can't say enough. Like, you have to seek help, seek some therapy, whatever. Um, and I think for me, it's where has gotten fuzzy for me with this whole Kanye thing is a lot of people like on my social media have a lot to say. Um, oh, you know, Kanye is being very strategic and he, you know, this is this is what he's doing. It's because, you know, he wants to, he's, he watch this, he's about to do this and he's about to do that. Y'all just don't know. This is just very strategic planning that he's doing. I get that and that's fine and dandy and all, but you know, at the end, at the end, at the end of the day, I think that he has a lot of work to do. And I think people need to stop trying to defend people's bad behavior, right? You know, if somebody did something or said something, you know, wrong or said something contrary, whatever, we need to hold them accountable. Right. We should have been holding him accountable at that White Lives Matter t-shirt he had on. We should have been holding him accountable when he said slavery was a choice. We yeah. should have been holding him accountable for all of these other things and stuff like that. And so I think we have to start holding this accountable and not use this as like, oh, he's about to do something more powerful now. That's why he did this. Yeah, Adidas cut ties with him. But guess what? Like that was a small, uh, that was a drop in the bucket for Adidas and the Adidas would be okay without Kanye. So um, I don't know, but I, the main things I want him to get help, but I also too want him to give these parents that fifteen thousand dollars back if that's what they're paying to this school, yeah. you know. So and why are we dressing like we homeless? But I'll leave that there. All right. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know why we're doing that. I really don't know why we're doing that. But you know what? <laughs> some of the pieces he wears, I'm like, I could see this, but I would do something different with it because I get his sort of yeah. but it's, it's not for me for one but for two like Kanye's like fashion has been crazy since he kind of you know got hooked up with the Kardashians but we're not going to talk about that yeah any other thoughts on that no I'm good okay um, so this is um something me and you kind of talked about on Sunday. Um, Bishop T D Jakes gets backlash for casting out demons on live TV. Bishop T D Jakes is currently facing some backlash, some more backlash. This time for the way he condemned the church visitor in a viral video making rounds online. Bishop Jake's Potter's House is one of the most popular mega churches in the world. The new video clip trending has since been met with mixed reactions. In the in the clip, Bishop Jake's appears to be talking to a church visitor who seems possessed by an evil spirit. However, many people don't understand the context of the video, so they're having issues with the way Bishop Jake's handled things. Um, and it goes on to like give some more um, details as to what 
um, he said in the video, and me and you kind of like had some rhetoric um, or some recourse on the video, but I just want to hear your thoughts and I'll give mine. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's one. I like the fact that we're going back to casting out demons. I will say that we need to go back to that. When, like, like I said, when I was younger, that like, that was a big thing. A lot of people are walking around with all these spirits and stuff like that. And instead of us just being like, well, you know, we just need to pray through it. Like, I don't know what happened to laying hands and casting things out, mm. but purging and all of those things, I feel like are so necessary for people to get rid of things um, that are spiritually bound in them. Um, so that's one. Two, the casting out process doesn't require an interview of Satan. Of Satan, I know, like he's like Peter. I know James. I know, mm-hmm. but who are you? Or something. Jesus, I know, but who are you? And you know, what's your name and all this stuff. <sighs> we can skip all of that. Honestly, it's not necessary. Like I don't want to be sitting up talking to a demon for like. <laughs> the whole service like let's just go ahead and get it cast out and be done and let's move on um that's my thing mike i don't want to go into some of the comments that you've made so i'll just leave it there no so i i definitely reflect a lot of the things that that you stated in your um, particular post. I think for me, um, not your post, but just in your <laughs> reaction a while ago. Um, Mike's still in school mode where he got a comment school on School mode. I'm <laughs> work mode. Really I'm supposed to be on, <laughs> supposed to be a PTO. Work is blowing me up right now. Jeez. Sorry. Um, so here's the thing. Like I saw the video and again, like it reflects what you said as far as, you know, we, we, we're getting back to casting out demons. Right. And to see a mega church doing this is kind of like, Hmm. Okay. This is attractive. But I think in the manner of what we saw, like for one, and I stand by this a thousand percent, I stand by the fact that um, we should definitely um, not be recording these kind of things. I, I believe in turning that live stream off during the altar call or whatever, because, you know, even if you don't turn live stream off, at least cut the camera and maybe let the music play in the background, because that's such a vulnerable moment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like this woman was public life. She probably did not ask to be demon possessed. She probably didn't even know she had that spirit and she went there looking for help like when we go to the hospital there's not an open curtain for people to see what kind of procedures the doctor's going to do on us right mm-hmm. so i think we need to have that same kind of because at the end of the day yes we gotta we it takes a lot to move your pride aside and say lord i need help lord i want to be delivered right but mm-hmm. At the same time, like we still need to give people the dignity to say like, okay, this is a very private and vulnerable moment that I'm having here. So, you know, let's, let's cut the cameras. That's, that's my first thought. And I'll always stand by that. Like people that record folks tearing for the Holy Ghost, that's weird to me. And again, like, and I think I shared a clip with you, um, not recently about a guy, he posted about his own deliverance. It was praying for him. And I didn't see anything wrong with that because he was vulnerable enough to say, Hey, like this is what happened like I have been going through this they prayed with me all this good stuff Mm -hmm. but like this woman probably doesn't know that she's floating out here on TikTok land right right and so the second part of that is in this video there's all these people standing around like it's a museum like like they're seeing 
you know, a a magic show or something like that. Like these people just stand. Nobody's praying. Nobody's pleading. Like when I was growing up with a demon, somebody came up to the altar and they were demon possessed. The first thing you start doing is pleading the blood, yes. right? Yes. You start pleading the blood against this spirit. You start to, you know, plead the blood, call on Jesus, you know, close your eyes. I need everybody praying. I need everybody right. on one accord. I need because we're gonna get this there's a stronghold on this. There was none of that in there. Three, when we're talking about people, you're talking about someone that was allegedly, and I'm saying allegedly here, allegedly demon possessed in this video. Um, the way he was speaking with her, and I, I had a chance to see the clip, you know, the way he was speaking to her, he was almost like he was pacifying that spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no authority, like, you know, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I command this spirit to leave you right now, you know, and there was none of that. That was mostly like, you know, a lot of like, oh, you have a destiny, you have all of this stuff, but we can't talk about destiny until we talk about deliverance, right? right. We can't talk about somebody having a destiny yes. and walking free in Jesus Christ without talking about them being delivered and be deemed delivered from the stronghold of Satan. And so that was a lot of that. So when that demon hits back at him, then he wanted to, you know, that, but that was ego that spoke next, right? Yeah. I'm a man and I'm full of the Holy Ghost and all this other stuff. That may be true. I, I do believe that, you know, because we know T.D. Jakes comes from apostolic background, but, and I do believe he, he, he possesses the Holy Ghost, but mm -hmm. Your church should be reflective of that. That should have been enough power and glory in that church that when she came up there, those demons had to would have had to flee out of there. Right. There should have been enough power flowing in there. But you know, you spoke with her with ego. I have, you know, the Holy Ghost, and I'm a man of the Holy Ghost. That was ego talking. That wasn't, you know, the spirit of Christ talking. That wasn't the spirit of God working through you. That was ego working through you. And I think, you know, at the end of the day. That just goes to show us that, you know, a lot of times like these mega churches and I have nothing against mega churches, whatever, because we all want to see our churches mega, but we want to see our churches mega with people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. We want to see a mega church people getting baptized in Jesus name. Right. We want to see a mega church people actually getting delivered, getting set free and building the kingdom, not, you know, a mega church because I want to sit under this particular per personality because they can lead well or because they know how to do church business well or because they know how to do, you know, a regular secular business well, you know, because they are good motivation preacher i want to sit under someone that's going to lead me to christ and lead me to victory and right. so i think you know we have a lot of work to do it's just a reminder that i hope she got the help she needed and got delivered from that that sunday uh, uh out of there but i just know like for me and like where i come from she we would have stayed right there until she was free and delivered from what she was in until she was speaking in tongues as the spirit of god gave her the anointed utterance and baptized her in jesus names and she would have been free from whatever it is that she was dealing with and then i'm gonna add this in there then we would send her to therapy as well Right, you know, to talk through some of those issues because you know there's some things going on, but didn't mean to take up all the time there. But that's just yeah. kind of my thoughts when I saw that video clip. So that was a lot of good thoughts, and I'm just gonna end it and wrap it up with the fact that this stuff is not a game; it's not a performance. Like people getting deliverance shouldn't be for show. Like it really needs to be about saving souls and that should be our primary cause. So let's stop putting on performances. Let's stop putting on plays <laughs> and like actually get to the business of what, or at least what God's business is. So, yeah.
And I'm going to um, just kind of go through these next two announcements very quick because of time. And I know we, um, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not going to dwell too long on the announcements tonight because uh, our subject and our show that we have produced, we have a cheat. Our, our producer has a treat in store for us tonight. Oh, so I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited. Um, so speaking of the Potter's house, uh, my next announcement says, could Pastor Torre and Sarah Jake Roberts be headed to Dallas for the takeover of the Potter's house church? Could they be headed back to Dallas, Texas for the big takeover of the Potter's house church? Sarah Jake's Roberts and her husband's Torre uh, Roberts, who are co-pastors of two branches of the Potter's house in Los Angeles and Denver have put their $9.5 million two-year-old mansion up for sale. And they put a link up on it, um, about it on, uh, on here. Um, I'm not gonna go into it, but, um, they kind of left this article kind of vague, but what are your thoughts here? Um, didn't he just give her uh woman that are loose and now mm-hmm. it's called something else empowered women do something. I don't know what it's called, but, um, and I was fine with that. But like I said before, her taking over the church is going to be a whole different thing. And it, it, it brings two things to my attention. I hate to speculate, but it's kind of like, why are we handing things over right now? Your dad mm-hmm. is still active. What's Is something mm-hmm. going on? Should we be anticipating like something happening to Bishop Jakes? Like, why is this all of a sudden it feels like everything is kind of like we're gearing up for something. Um, that's one. Two, I don't think Sarah or her husband, I haven't heard her husband speak, but um, I don't think they're ready to take over Potter's house. Um, that's just my thoughts. Initial thoughts. I don't know nothing about the church really, but um, I just think that that's a big responsibility and we just have to be conscious and mindful about who we give our churches to. And just because your child is saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, just because your child is a great speaker, just because all of these things, I mean, doesn't mean, look, she is a great motivational speaker, but is she pastor material? Right, right. Questions. So, yeah. I, you know, and, and I share your sentiment and I think you just say something that's very deep. First of all, it does raise a question like, why are we handing things off so quickly? If that's the case, right? Because this article was sounded like it was a lot of speculation. But um, for me, a, th- a couple of thoughts come to mind. Um, there's a lot of pastors that have come through the Potter House that are pastoring these satellite churches that have, you know, our satellite ministries of the Potter House. So you have like Cheryl Brady and you have some of these other people that, that are pastoring these Potter House churches. So it's a it's a dire look and it's a it's really it's it kind of makes us face a harsh reality of, you know, I don't care how big these these churches are, whatever. Sometimes we'll still find a reason to give a ministry over to our loved ones or to our blood or to keep things in the bloodline, whatever, because, you know, we're, we, we know our, our children know exactly what we want or we trust our children with this. Like, and, you know, we want to make sure that we give first dibs to our kids to run this ministry. 
I agree with your sentiments. Like, I think Sarah Jakes, Sarah Jakes Roberts is a great motivational speaker, but is she charismatic like her father? Will they receive her in Dallas, Texas? Because they used to the charismatic, the, the charismatic nature of her father and the way he teaches and preaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you sit in Texas, you know, under Cheryl Brady, like very charismatic, whatever, but you go in with this different style, whatever, is that going to be sustainable in that particular market? Like, I feel like in L.A., you can go to a church and set that church up as like a motivational speaker that works through there. But Dallas, Texas isn't a Bible Belt. So those people are going to want, you know, some hooping and hollering sometimes. They're going to want some churchiness sometimes and stuff like that. And so I think those things have to be considered. Again, we don't know for sure if this is that they might be just selling their home, right? Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. And I love when churches are innovative. I love when we can combine organizational leadership and when we know how to pass the torch down, when we know how to, you know, say, hey, like it's time for me to give it up. But the same thing just happened at uh, West Angeles Church of God in Christ. They just handed the church uh, uh, Bishop Blake just handed the church off to his son. So it's a really interesting concept. Best of luck if that's what's happening. Um, But we shall see, you know, later on down the road. Okay, so our last announcement um, is something that's a little little lighter. CC Winans became the first Black female solo artist to win Artist of the Year at the Dove Awards. I'm not going to read what the poster wrote because I don't like what she wrote here about our dear CC. Um, but I just want to say congratulations um, to CC Winans. Um, I always say if anybody is safe for real, it's CC Winans. So, yes. <laughs> so I want to say a huge <laughs> congratulations to CC Winans on her um on her award her dev award whatever i think it's well deserved yeah i'm surprised that she's the first solo female artist to win that that's insane um but yes well deserved i love cc i don't care what anybody says Mm -hmm. and it was before the new revised cc but the new revised cc is amazing too like yeah, um, I, I love I love CC. All her, yeah. I, I mean, there's certain like she's definitely a lot more conservative. I like there was a time which I think she like did something for some. So and and that's what, what? The, the the writer of this um, oh that's post what kind of said. It was just like she was she was a such and such supporter and it's paid off big time which i don't know like what she did whether that was her it don't have anything to do with that. of of what whoever i think she just made like a statement because she even came back and said whoa i was just making a statement about exactly xyz and which i forgot what it was i think we talked about it on this show yeah but, um i think it was like know. a covid something i don't know what it was covid or but, something like that but she was just like yeah she's like, i just stand to support you know but um she we never you, came CC. out and said it. We love you, CC. It's all right. It's, we love you anyway. It's fine. We forgive. Um, we, <laughs> it probably wasn't nothing, but we forgive it anyway. We forgive you anyway. <laughs> um, and then just one last thing. I just want to thank um, Ron and our friend of the show, uh, Fun Size. Um, <laughs> Not for- Fun Size. <laughs> coming out um to our event we had at our church so um anybody knows 
and has known me personally. We've been planning for our 25th um, pastoral anniversary for like almost a year. Um, was finally able to execute it, and Ron came to support as so as so did um, Fun Size, and we just had an amazing time. I had a, an amazing time hanging out with them, just really rocking out with them. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, Ron drove all the way down from where she is um, to be with us uh, <laughs> there. So, and I just want to say I really appreciate it um, for being there. I hope you guys had an amazing time. Thank you for just hanging out with us, rocking out with us. And um, hopefully, you know, we can do this again sometime soon. Um, but I had an amazing time with you guys. And yeah, just thank you. Mike, it was great. If you're looking to execute a 25th anniversary gala, well, you need to contact Mike and his church because <laughs> the, from the setup to Kalante Gavin singing, like, and he blew the house. That was amazing. He did. Oh my God. Ooh, my gosh. The man Shout out to Kalante. It was so good. And just like everything was executed perfectly. They had beautiful, like placings and then a photographer the food was on point it was just a great time so thank you for inviting us it was it's always good to celebrate with the saints and just to be together with the saints and let me just plug mike's church for a minute if you are in north carolina (laughs) when i tell you that that praise team went in and and it didn't even start with the praise team it started with sunday school like i love the question that the man raised they were talking about legion after the guy who had legion got delivered he said go back and tell your family about Mm -hmm. what you experienced or what happened and he was like there is there are issues within all of us that we need to go back and tell people how we experienced that he was like so if you were told to go back by christ what would you say it was just a great discussion and like it's a church that you could tell was just filled with the Holy Ghost. I was, like people shine <laughs> and moving. It was great. So I'm excited. Keep me posted for any other events because we're coming. And I'll say this, say it's like if y'all share with us stuff that's going on in exactly. y'all city, I'm trying to branch out. I'm trying to be in Michigan and Canada. I'm trying to be on the Listen, West Coast. I'm trying like, to travel. The I, I know are I ready to connect. <laughs> I missed the last event Ron had, but I, I'm ready. I'm ready. You guys let me know. We can connect. Nice. Uh, we'll be planning. We actually planning a conference here in North Carolina. Well, I'm not in North Carolina this weekend, but in North North Carolina we're playing the conference <laughs> um and I just hope that some of the listeners can come I'm hoping that we can get the P-Babies involved somehow um, for this conference um even if it's nothing but the event to help sponsor get our word about about our podcast um so yeah and we actually had someone at the banquet she's listening to the show she we yes. had her able to connect so shout out to you Shakanya. um shout out to you Shakanya. yes it was so oh my gosh it was great meeting everybody she was yes, awesome. Yes. We need to get her on here because she is. We got to get her on here. We got to get her on here. <laughs> so, um, shout out. Hopefully, I'm hoping we can just do some kind of meetup. Like, hopefully, Tony is a listener of the show, and Ooh. I just think every all of us we really rock out well. So, hopefully, we can do some kind of live setup or something, um, intimate, whatever. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes open and your ears open because you never know what Ron might have up her sleeves or. I might have up my sleeves. Uh, my sleeves are pretty big because I'm a big guy. So, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I just wanted to say thank you so much for just coming and supporting. So, um, and the show is back into your hands. 
Amen. It's so funny because I think this is going to continue to like be a part two. So this is part one tonight. And our topic, because in the spirit of what fall is, and even just like we said, we do a hallelujah night tonight. Um, the question that I wanted us to discuss is, am I the villain? And so this, just to give some background, because I like to tell you guys where these ideas come from. There was a situation that arose where I did something that I thought was a private moment and probably said something. I, no, it wasn't a probably. I said something I should not have said about someone. Because <laughs> I told you guys before, I have a problem trying to be delivered with gossiping and just saying, and I'm quick to be like, you're trash. Oh, that's horrible. I just say things that, you know, I don't intentionally mean, but it got back to the person. And I had to sit with that and think about like, wow, like as a person who's trying to be more like Christ. Yeah. I didn't want them to find out, but should I have ever been in that position for it to happen? Right. And I should always be on guard. I should always care about what I'm saying and I shouldn't talk frivolously. And so I guess what I want us to examine today is, am I the villain? And we'll talk about that after we have some scriptures. You guys know we love Bible stories and I'm so excited for these Bible stories because some of them I got them from (laughs) our Bible study at church. (laughs) It is so good. So the first story I want to start, I think we need to start in historical order. In this part, we're going to discuss different people in the Bible who were filled with the spirit of Christ or had the spirit or have the spirit of Christ. But at some points, they kind of took on a villainous role or uh, became the villainous situation. So Saul is coming from 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 16. Um, Mike, do you want to give the summary or do you want me to? So sure. So in this particular um, passage of scripture, um, you know, we, we learn about the relationship between David and Jonathan, and then Saul is introduced as well. So, you know, Saul kind of, um, David kind of comes in and is, you know, taking on his reign, not as king, but he's kind of, you know, in the inner workings there. So he's in there, you know, kind of doing his thing, whatever. And Saul kind of looking at him with his side eye, like, bro, like you coming in here and taking over. It was like, you know, Saul, uh, David was always getting praised for a lot of things he was doing. The women was coming up to him and saying, singing up him about how, you know, um, David was able to slay 10,000, but Saul, he was only able to do a thousand. And, you know, they really loved David for what he was, for what he was. He seemed to have been very much so charismatic before he turned into the villain and we learned this later on in samuel but this this is before he turned to the villain but you know david really was that guy he was that guy because he was something someone that the people love and saul just did not like that right saul couldn't stand it saul was just like you know what like who is this guy like coming in here you know taking over my territory like this and taking over my people when I was reading that particular passage of story, it reminded me so much of things I've seen in church. But we're going to get on get into that later. Verse nine is my favorite part because this is so villainous to me. And Saul eyed David from that day forward. He did. <laughs> literally side eye him. was like, I'm watching you. I'm literally watching you because uh, you coming in here and, you know, you're taking over. And again, like 
it, immediately in my mind, it screamed new person on the block at church that has a gift. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so. And then verse 10, I think, is when we get this like really good understanding of the villainy behind Saul. And it talks about how, you know, we, we know in the scripture that Saul was disobedient to Christ. And so David was anointed to be the next king Mm -hmm. at this point, but Saul was still on the throne and God's spirit was removed from Saul. Um, And an evil spirit came to on him or to trouble him is what the scripture says. Um, But then um, in verse 10 of uh, first Samuel 18, it talks about that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and basically, David, he would have to play to calm Saul down and get his spirit right. Yeah, he would. He would have to play that harp. Yep. The person who's causing your villainy is also the person who's bringing you peace. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. But then Saul had this javelin in his hand as a weapon. <laughs> and Saul, he cast the javelin and he was like, I'm going to kill David, even to the wall. Like, <laughs> And David just immediately left Saul. <laughs> so yeah so mike let's talk about this part like what did you take from the villainy here so i think for me um the the first part of that that i kind of you know talked is that there was a you could see a progression of jealousy a progression of envy right Mm -hmm. so as long as you don't outdo me in church or as long as you don't outdo my gift and stuff we're gonna be all right but as soon as I see that people start to gravitate to you more, people want, you know, to hear you sing more. People want to hear you preach, you know, a little bit more than I do. That's when I'm going to have a problem with you. And like I said, we saw this with David and we saw this with Saul. Right. And so what I got from that was a lot of times like, you know, it goes back to being a villain. I had to check myself. Like, have I ever been in the in the position of Saul? Mm-hmm. And I tried not to be. And I had to say, Lord, if I ever been a Saul in church where, you know, I to a point where I wanted to kill them in this sense for me is so much like talk about them, run this person down. Please forgive me because I never want to be in a place where. I, you know, I, I'm I'm allowing the fact that somebody might be more gifted and more anointed than I am to do something to allow me to become so jealous that, you know, I, I want to literally tear this person down every time I see them or, yeah. you know, talk about this person, talk negatively. But we see it in church, right? Right. So you'll go to a church and, you know, let's just use this for an example. The pray, you got the praise team leader. And, you know, praise team leader been singing for, you know, five, 10 years and been that person that's been leading out of praise worship. But Ron is a new kid on the block and she comes in, Ron can, Ron's anointed. People get, you know, free when she sings and stuff. So they start putting her up to sing more. And, you know, it's all well and good as long as, you know, Ron isn't out singing the praise and worship leader. But as soon as people be like, you know what, you blessed my soul today. You know what, I felt the power of God when you sang today. That's what this story reminded me of was mm-hmm. that. And we see so many Saul's in church now, right? Because there's a lot of Saul's that sit in church just, you know, 
as soon as somebody started down, they are keeping an eye on that person. They are mm-hmm. constantly, you know, trying to see the, you know, see the mistakes in that person, whatever. And it's really crazy that church is that way, but this is what church has become. The, I guess, silver lining in that story was David had to play to calm down Saul. And so even in the midst of that, whatever, like you can't deny when someone is anointed by God, you mm-hmm. can't deny because the Lord will use your gifts to you know for the purpose to bless somebody else and bless even your enemies you know in that and bless people that don't even like you or that don't even stand for you so it's a really good and I've seen this even I don't want to get too personal but I'm using somebody else for example I've seen this recently with someone that I know really well they had to come around and tell this other person you could see the spirit in them in church sitting on them Mm-hmm. sitting there jealous but they had to come back and tell the person like man you really blessed me you got an appreciate today man you really you really blessed me today like you you really really blessed me even when we were um planning this banquet and i'll say this we may cut it later so we had someone on the committee and i, I i'm i'm i've always been an observant person but i can always discern Mm-hmm. I can always discern. Now, I might not say nothing about it because I don't believe that the purpose of discerning is to always expose. Most right. of the time, do you discern, you need to just pray, right? Mm-hmm. So this person would see in our meetings, but I could see on this person's face that, you know, they weren't, you know, they were kind of distant from it. You could tell they weren't all in. They weren't, you know, they were kind of like, I'm here because y'all asked me to be on the committee, but I, I don't believe in what y'all doing. I'm right. I'm waiting for y'all to fall. So even when that person got to the banquet that we were planning, I saw this person (laughs) was kind of like sitting back with their arms kind of folded, kind of looking around to just to see what was going to happen, see what was going to take place, see what was going to, you know, fall through. Because, you know, you could tell they were expecting that. Right. When they saw that the banquet went over so well, you know, I got to apologize. This banquet was so nice and so well. And we even went as far as to honor at this oh, banquet oh, wow. and so that's and it's just and that's what rem, what this reminds me of is you know sometimes you'll have people that'll be sitting in your midst that can be so against you and what you're doing and god will use that situation for you to bless that person and i think that's probably the one of the most humbling experiences that somebody can mm-hmm. ever experience is somebody that's really against you your hater and stuff and the lord has to place that person back in your way in order to speak a word to them or to bless them in some kind of capacity so yeah that's really good um the hardest thing that the scripture asks us to do is to examine ourselves i say that all the time and like the situation with saul i think is really key here First, the fact of how he lost the spirit of Christ by being rebellious and thinking, I am. No, it's not I am. God is. <laughs> he is the I am, not me. And um, I think allowing our ego, we talk about this a lot, Mike, about keeping our ego at bay, when, even when we're being used by God and being put in positions and um, things are working in our favor, but for God's glory, just being mindful of that, because there's so many times where you can just tell people have lost the spirit. And I won't say they lost the Holy Ghost, but whatever gift or talent that they had, 
it's like it shrivels up. It's not the same. I don't know if you've noticed that in church, but there's certain certain people like service can be so high. And back in the day, maybe they had it and they would like MC or they would sing or something. It'll be so passionate, it'll be so good. And then they get up another time and it's kind of like all of a sudden the service to shift. Mm-hmm. And it don't shift. I've seen well. it. I've seen it. Like it's like a it's like a vacuum that sucks it up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like in in those situations, we have to evaluate ourselves and try to be like, okay, Lord, how do I get back to you so I can get not so I can so much as so I can get the gifts, but so that I can be in your will again. You know what I mean? So that I I can have your favor again. So that I can um do what you've asked me to do or be in ministry because we talk about this a lot. Like God will move you out the way quickly. He will. However, he got to do it. Some of us linger in positions and stuff that we probably shouldn't be in when God is technically telling you, you need to move out the way. Um, The other thing about this, I think is just the violence between the saints. I feel like church drama is so bad. It's kind of like the worst drama that you can ever it's just like i don't you don't ever understand how that's possible david literally they that david and saw literally fighting wars but to fight a war with each other for like saw to have a javelin for david to be hidden in the cave and then take a knife and be like I actually saw i could have murdered you <laughs> like like right, to, right. for it to be that close and i think that's the thing that we have to be careful of as saints is that sometimes our petty drama can really be a tearing down like it's killing us we have to be mindful of that like these things you nitpicking you being jealous you being upset you talking about x y and z you t- and, and i'm speaking to my for myself like all of these things where we put ourselves against each other is literally killing us we are using violence against each other and it's bad like at, the fact that david just had to leave <laughs> Well, and that's what it is, because we see even people leave church because of that, right? Yeah. Because people are so, and I've seen it, like, growing up, I've seen people just be just that petty to people. Like, I mean, I've seen saints be in the parking lot, lie to you not, be in the parking lot and pretend they on the phone to keep from speaking to somebody. Ooh, or, Jesus. you know, just, I've seen the saints go out to dinner at the service and run the folks down and ask, is there anybody that we missed? You know, so... Whoa. <laughs> right so it's it's one of those things and you know i was guilty because i was guilty by association right you know being yeah, in the yeah. midst of that even though i was young but even like now because i have i pride myself on really growing and really trying to mature in in christ whatever i'm not going out to dinner to run run the saints down like if i feel some type of way about something maybe i'll have that conversation in private amongst somebody that i trust right. you know because i need to vent but mm-hmm. to just run the saints down oh god did, did you see such and such what was she walking church with that on for today God knows. And then, you know, you get got up there. I do, I, I, I refuse to get in the service when they get up there and say, and I've seen this happen for real. Yeah. I refuse to get in the service when they, when she up there saying, uh-uh, I sat wow. back there with my arms folded. I sure did. 
I sure did. But what does that, what did that add to you? What did you gain from being that petty? What did you gain from sitting in church with your arms folded and not adding anything to service just because somebody that you don't rock with was up there leading service? And a lot of times we're working against each other in church and we work against each other so much. And and somebody said that, I think it was Bishop Michael Rogers said this in his message. Um, he said, church is the only entity that multiplies by division. So, you know, as long as we're divisive, you know, we grow because we grow in cliques. If I can find a clique and get in the in a clique over here where I can, you know, talk and 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 be in cahoots with this one because this one don't like the same person that don't I don't get along with, we're good. Or as long as I'm over here because, you know, such and such, you know, we all don't rock with with with, with brother such and such, because brother such and such looked at us wrong, or brother such and such, you know, we don't feel like he's anointed or we don't we feel like he's up there for show then we're in, as long as we're in cahoots we multiply by division we can break bread because of division we can sit up there and we can go out together because of division because we are very good at dividing people but what if we did that are just the opposite and came together but it's very hard for us to do because a lot of us are still in this carnal mindset of wanting to be divisive of wanting to be until to such a point where normal does not feel right for us you know right. you know normal and 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 being in in harmony with uh, with each other does not feel normal so it's it's a it's a crazy um it's a crazy concept when you think about it. Yeah. And like, I've seen actual like physical fights, Ooh, <laughs> like, okay. fights which is crazy. I, you make a really good point that I wanted to highlight. There's a difference between venting about a situation and attacking folks. And I think that, yes, you, in my mind, you are permitted to vent. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that like, you just need to get out and, um, there is a way to do that and you need to be around people you trust to do that. But attacking and like literally just every time you see this person, you have something to say or you can't go a cer- you can't go an after service hangout without bringing somebody up or dragging the whole service. Like just the negativity has to like, it's just, it's a spirit. It really is a spirit. It is. It is. It's it's a it's it's a it's a spirit. And I think that if we don't try to fix it, if we don't try to come up with some kind of solution to mm-hmm. remedy this, we're gonna be in trouble, right? Yeah. You know, we're gonna always, you know, be on the lesser end. And and I I'm not to get off subject, and I bring this up on the show a whole lot. But we can't afford to be in these situations right now, especially not after a pandemic, right? Right. Because a lot of our churches, we suffered. We lost, you know, half of our churches that we had before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And to still be divisive, to still have mess, to still be in a place where we're still attacking one another and stuff, but we don't have any works that we're doing for the kingdom of Christ. That's a very dangerous place to be at, especially post-pandemic, you know, yeah. and because that means that we, for one, we wasted two years, one to two years in a pandemic doing the same things we were doing before. We didn't take that time to reflect. We didn't take that time to really grow. We didn't take that time to really kind of get in there and do self-inventory, you know, take inventory of, you know, who we really are. Take inventory of my dad preached on Sunday about taking inventory. You have to take inventory of 
of, of what it is that you're doing, like, so that you don't become a David and Saul in church and that you can learn to be more open to loving people and accepting people. There's no reason why you should have been, you've been saved for 30 and 40 years and you still don't know how to love a newcomer when they come in church. You know, there's no reason why you've been saved for 30, 40, 50 years and you still don't know how to, you know, accept when somebody might be anointed to sing a little bit better than you can. You know, and I think for that, we have to grow up as saints, you know? Yeah. And just identify like when you are the Saul. I want to move on to the next story in our journey. And the second one is 2 Samuel 11. um, And we're talking about David now. So first we had Saul and David going at it. And in that situation, Saul was the villain. But then later on, we have this story, like you mentioned, Mike, where David becomes the villain so um basically everybody kind of knows the story when um david was in his reign as king right so he basically um make a long story short he saw Bathsheba bathing and it was right after and i was reading this today and i thought this was interesting it was um right after what they call purification so that means right after she was in ovulation during this particular Mm -hmm um point in her life and so he saw her bathing and he decided to have relations with her and to cover it up um he had uriah uh he put uriah kind of on the front line to be killed and when he was when uriah was killed he married Bathsheba um and had you know of course and and fathered her son whatever and so um that's basically what it was in a nutshell there's a lot of other details like in the story how uriah kind of kept coming back to sleep there whatever he kept asking uriah like why do you keep coming back and (laughs) you know there was so many other little you know other you know minor details and stuff but the biggest thing was was the corruptness of david in this particular story to manipulate a situation to work in his favor and back then that was a huge piece of manipulation i'm gonna get mm-hmm. you killed so i can have your wife you know so i can cover up the fact that i had your wife you know and that i had relations with her and so um which you know we could get into you know modern day stories all day but i'm gonna let you take it from here yeah so i think like a few points from the scripture like first samuel 11 and 1 the first uh verse like the second clause says after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. And then the last clause says, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. So David <laughs> was not supposed to be there. He wasn't supposed to be there. And let's start talking there about saints being in places that are not supposed to be. And what happens when you tarry? And to me, I'm interpreting tarry as boredom. You don't have mm-hmm. anything to do. You're just chilling. You actually do have something to do, but you disregard it and you just relax. You just chilling. And like, really, this was a place where David got caught slipping because he just wasn't minding the business that he was being paid to as the king to be at battle. <laughs> um, and so I think that's that's a major point here is that at the end of the day, David should have never even been there. He was supposed to be busy doing the work of his position mm-hmm. of his job mm-hmm. and i think as a saint that like especially when i was reading this that like really caught me because i was like how many times do i do things in my boredom and it creates so many problems <laughs> and so my first point is get busy saints <laughs> do not get, be bored. Get busy they, with the right things with the right things they say the idle mind is the devil's playground is not scripture but if you are not doing what you're supposed to do, you are like you 
put yourself in a position to be used in a way that you shouldn't be. So that's one. Um, two, like you said, Uriah. I just love how um, in both of these scriptures and uh, the person of comparison to the villain is always trying to do the right thing. It talks in when we're talking about the story with Saul and the scripture talks about David. He was wise. He moved wisely. And then in this one, we have Uriah, who's actually very loyal to his position. Unlike David, he's like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be in the trenches. I'm supposed to be with the man who's fighting. I can't go back to my wife. How can I celebrate? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And David is like, what? Right. (laughs) And like he had these very strong convictions, very strong morals in comparison to David, who wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. And just like um, it's, it's just interesting seeing that contrast a people who are on their post versus a person who's not. And then later on, I I think my favorite part of this whole story is when we get to, um, and we didn't read this. I just kept reading the verse because it was interesting to me. Uh, Second Samuel chapter 12, when Nathan comes in and starts correcting David about his behavior. And this is kind of when like he tells a story about the sheep. Is this about when they talk about Aiken and No, no, no. Like okay. this is like I don't know if you've seen the Veggie Tales version, but like it was like this one guy, he had one sheep that he loved dearly. Mm-hmm. And then like the a rich man, he had all these sheep, and then they got they took the one sheep, and David was like, Oh, like, why would they take the one sheep? That man should be killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he tried to cover it. When Nathan approached him, he tried to, like, act as if, play dumb. Right. Act as if, yep, yep, sure did. Yeah, and so he told him, like, the story or whatever, and David was saying all this stuff, and then, like, the consequences of David's villainy is that his uh, child with him and Bathsheba, his first child, didn't end up dying. And David fasted and prayed. He did all of this stuff to try to keep the child alive, hoping that God mm-hmm. would change his mind, mm-hmm. but God didn't change his mind because of David's villainy. Um, so I guess what, what are your takeaways from this story? I don't know if you had any additional takeaways. When we're talking about like being the villain here, and I think you brought some great points. First of all, like, you know, stay busy with the right things, right? Stay busy with the right things. Stay busy. Um, you know, keep busy. Cause I think, as you said earlier, a lot of times we get in these places where we're bored or where we're we're not where we're supposed to be. That is the 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 time the enemy will you know play play with us. You think about like when we were doing that in the pandemic, whatever. Mm-hmm. If we weren't connected to the word, if we weren't connected to prayer, whatever, there was a lot of opportunity for us to get into some things that we we should not have gotten into. We still lot, got into some things. Was, we still got into some things, right? Because we weren't <laughs> we didn't put clothes on get in the car because even though a lot of people say well just because you go to church don't mean nothing i refuse i i refute that because a lot of times church is what holds us accountable if we right. can get our clothes on and get to the house of prayer whatever sometimes it's all about just going into the physical building that helps people that helps people calm down that helps people do the right thing it's just putting it close help if people are a part of the praise team singing it's that level of accountability there it's like i'm on the praise team i don't want to do nothing to screw up you mm-hmm. know i'm i'm the church secretary i don't want to be caught up in no scandal i'm you know i play the drums at church you know i don't want them to catch me watching porn so let 
let me not. So it's one of these, yeah. some of these things that we, you know, it's, it's, it's something about when you're in that physical building and, you know, going to church and stuff that there is a, a, a level, it might be a very thin la- layer of accountability, but it's there. Right. But now that this was taken away, like during the pandemic, there's a lot of things that we were able to get into. We saw a lot of Bathsheba's, right. Whatever that Bathsheba, your Bathsheba might be, Bathsheba. you know, Netflix. Your Bathsheba yes. might have been Hulu. Your Bathsheba, you know, might have been, might have been, you know, drinking. It could have been any of these innocent things that separates us from Christ, that separates us from doing what we're supposed to do in Christ. And I'm not saying that we, you know, be no earthly good. And we talked about that on the show, but I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of things that we do, you know, that we were doing, we, we've been the, we, we've all been David. We've all been the villain like David, where, you know, even before there was a pandemic, you know, we all have been, you know, David, the villain where, you know, we, you know, supposed to be, you know, in prayer, we're supposed to be, you know, in our word and yet, and still we're, we've replaced that time, something else. Like, you know, we've seen, you know, a lot of these other things that has come to distract us and take us away from what we're really supposed to be doing. So, um, I think that it's, it's, it's a really interesting concept. And like I said, I didn't really think of it that way until you brought that up. And that's what kind of triggered me to say that. But even like with Uriah and he was dedicated to the cause, whatever, you know, it just goes to show that, how can I say this? And I don't want to sound silly saying this, mm-hmm. but sometimes we will villainize or we, yeah, we will villainize people that's trying to do right. Right. Yeah. Because because we want to put them in our corner. We want them to feel the way we feel. So, you know, uh, you know, I'm the villain here. I'm David here. I'm lackluster. I don't hardly go to Bible study. I don't hardly, you know, read my word. You know, I'm always doing this, doing that, getting caught up in drama, getting caught up in this and that. And Ron trying to do the best she can. She's Uriah. <laughs> who she thinks she is, you know, like, Lord, too it ain't saved. that much, or too safe. she's just too deep for me, <laughs> God knows she is, but that's the Uriah, that is the Uriah, and then a Nathan tries to come into our lives, or whatever, to help hold us accountable, or to try to ask those probing questions, and then we lie about it, most of the time, that might be a pastor, that might be a spiritual mentor, something like mm-hmm. that, so what we don't want to do is be get into this cycle where we get so caught up that we end up killing the Uriah, right? That we end up, you know, running the Uriahs down in our life where we end up, because then I think too, even though this was written in Old Testament, I think now that we're under the period of grace now, I think that we have to be careful that God doesn't turn us over to a reprobate mind when we're Mm. in these particular states, whatever, when we become the Davids and, you know, now we're doing what we want to do, whatever, you know, we will manipulate situations to have what we want, whatever, you know, we'll manipulate prayer. I can pray later until we become desensitized to what God is trying to do in our lives, whatever. And that's the, that's what we don't want to do. We become so desensitized that we will immediately, you know, manipulate things so that, you know, we can do wrong and then we'll justify it. Right. We'll go, we'll do like, like David did with, with Nathan. We'll try to justify it. We'll try to say, you know, well, you know, but I, I was bored, but I was lonely. That's why I fornicated last night. Right. Oh, I, well, I was, I was, you know, 
I'm I'm I moved to a new city, so I don't have no friends here. So that's why I went out, you know, last night and uh, woke up with somebody in my bed that I wasn't married to. Mm-hmm. Or that's why, you know, I, I did this and that in the third last night. Or that's why, you know, I, I don't see anything watching, you know, a little porn and pleasing myself. I mean, at least I didn't. So we become getting in these areas where we start to justify the things that we're in, whatever. And, you know, again, now that happened in the Old Testament, but there's a lot of Davids walking out here now. And if you are David right now, just ask, just check yourself and just make sure that you are not lining up with, you know, going off course. So let's leave it at that. Mike, you preached, bruh. <laughs> Ooh, I, that was a whole message. Like, okay, that's going to be the title of our show tonight. Don't kill your Uriah. Like, oh my gosh. Like, cause why do we do that when somebody is on fire for Christ, instead of getting, instead of the fire spreading, we try to extinguish them. And like, that just goes like, again, cause we're in our carnal, in our carnal state, we're in our flesh that instead of seeing Uriah as someone who is a model for us to achieve and to reach we decide to kill. And, and, and it's funny because that's the same thing. Like I was saying earlier and the Saul story, David was the Uriah. He was the one who was being used by God. He was the one that was being good to the people that was doing the job that Saul should have been doing. And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, like don't kill Uriah because exactly. <laughs> Uriah is your role model. Uriah is the standard. Uriah is where you should be. And when we're being villains, a lot of the times we're not thinking about Christ. We're in our flesh and all of us can go through a stage where we are a villain and we're in our flesh and we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing, or we're talking about people or we're doing something that that's not Christ-like. And in that moment, we shouldn't be trying to kill those people who are shedding a light on it and making us realize that we need to be better. Um, there were so many great things, but that was so good. Don't kill you. You're right. I was about to shout off of that. <laughs> Jeez. Um, the other thing I want to point out, well, the last point I want to point out from this story is that there are consequences to every action. It's a, it's a law, right? <laughs> that for every action, there is a reaction. There he is. You reap what you sow. David, I mean, he did this thing and God forgave him. He got forgiveness, but God said, the sword will never leave your house. And we have to remember that when we are in these villainous states, sometimes we are sowing things into our, our the future or in our family's future and our kids' future and our future ministry. We're sowing things that are a consequence of our villainy. You have to be careful because like, even in the situation with David losing his child, when the child was alive, <laughs> David fasted and prayed. There's, and we talk about certain things coming out by fasting and prayer, but sometimes fasting and prayer can't fix what God has put on as a consequence for your villainy. And I was just like, that is so like, we have to be careful. Like, and I think, well, if we walk like that, right. In my mind, if I'm consciously thinking what I do is going to impact my future. 
You know what I mean? I don't think we look at stuff like that. What I do, what I say, everything is going to be held accountable. We forget that part. But if, if we think about that, like, you know, we would be a lot more careful. God can, and he will forgive you. But there are certain things that even your fasting and prayer are not getting you out of because you were in a state where you were acting in your flesh and you knew that you shouldn't have done it. And like, and that's, that's a message to me to get myself together because I don't want to sow, I don't want to reap any more. <laughs> and that's, that's true. I don't like, want to and... reap any more heartache. I want to sow goodness because the more I sow in my villainy, the more like the world's been talking about is my villain era. I've been saying that a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> on social media. It's my villain era. And I'm like, we got to stay as saints. We can't delve into a villain era because you're going to reap your villainy and you, you will be able to pray out of it. It's going to be. And I, and I think you, you raise a good, a great point. Like I, I think, you know, people don't realize like you you just said it like a lot of these things we end up you know causing problems for future generations like we wonder you know why you know we have these you know we talked about for these generational traumas we we wonder Mm -hmm. why we have a lot of these things that you know we can't seem to get rid of but just remember where you work in your in your villainous state like when you just refuse to obey or you refuse to you know you, you were deliberately mean or you were deliberately disobedient you know in those states whatever yes the lord will forgive you and, and things like that but i think that you can end up destroying your destiny you can end up destroying you know the will and purpose of god because i do believe we talked about this on the show before i do believe that you can reset the the will of god you can cause yourself to go 10 times back sometimes god will be you know taking us to a place in our lives where he's trying to use us he's trying to get us to a place and we hit the reset button so many times like you know we'll be right there at the at the at the midst of, at the center of our breakthrough where the lord is really trying to get us over into where he wants us to be and a lot of times we'll keep hitting the reset button by you know having these doing these little minute things whatever like you know, you've been, you know, and I'm just using these for using this for example, you know, the Lord has delivered you from alcoholism, but you decide to go back, you know, and you reset your destiny. You know, the Lord has, you know, taken you out of that fornicating situation that you was in, but you decide to go back. There you are resetting what he's trying to do in your life, placing yourself back four and five. And, seven. and sometimes when you when you keep resetting like that, you never get to that place. You'll always be, you know, at the first and second level, but you'll never get, because can God really trust you when every time you turn around, you always have to run to the altar to repent every time you turn around. Can God really trust you with something bigger? Can God really trust you with, you know, with, with, with healing? Can God really trust you with that money you're asking for? Can God really trust? He can't even trust you to stay out, uh, to deliberately stay out of sin. Right. He can't even trust you to, you know, every time you turn around, Lord, I know I said I was going to stop sleeping with uh, Mary over there, but God knows it's good to me. And we adults and we can say this on the show. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's good. I can't I can't stop. And the Lord is like, well, I guess I keep forgiving you and stuff like that. But also, I can't trust you to do, you know, but right. so much because, you know, when I look around, you're going to be with Mary again. 
And the time that I need you to be fulfilling my will, the time that I need you to be trying to fulfill my purpose and feel what I have you to do in the earth, you spending that time with Mary. So I don't know that I could, I forgive you, but I don't know if I can trust you with that, with what I want you to do. And I think we have to be very mindful of that. And the more that we can kind of think about those things and how it will affect us and can affect us, I think that we will be a lot more intentional about how we treat God and how we treat the things that God has given us. That was beautiful and that leads me to one last part i'm sorry y'all we can't get out of david (laughs) i'm trying to verse 14 i had to highlight this part because this is again this is when nathan's talking to david about the consequences and nathan says how be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the lord to blaspheme your villainy literally messed up God's ability to do what he wanted to do. Mind you, he already knew you were going to do it, of course. But like you were saying, Mike, he can't use you in the same way because you you put God in a vulnerable place where like, I shouldn't say a vulnerable place, but you put God in a state where like, I want to use you, but I can't use you because people can be like, that's supposed to be Christ. That's supposed to be Jesus. That's supposed to be Christian. That's supposed to be fruit. That's supposed to be love. That's supposed to be temperance. Are you given that? And when we do these things and we sit in our villain mistakes, and like you said, we start getting caught up in our Bathshebas, our addiction to watching pornography, our, our addiction to doing marijuana or drinking and access or whatever that we're doing. And then the people find out because that's the thing is like everything that's done in the dark is going to come to light. You can't hide sin. You really can't. Like we said, <laughs> Mike always says, I can smell sin. I, I, I might can't see sin, but I can, but I can smell, smell it. it. Things, things come to the light. That's what happened with David. You know, this, this child was born. Something is being born from this villainous state. And like, it's going to create a place where basically you are making God a false advertisement and God does, is not going to deal with that. So anyway, this is just so rich. Sorry. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, the next story we're moving on to is Rehoboam. <laughs> we talked about this story in my Bible study at church and I just had to put it in here because I had never read this before. These Old Testament scriptures, I'm telling y'all, get to y'all Bible stories because it's so good. Second Corinthians 10, 1 through 15. And so Second just Chronicles. A, Chronicles, thank you. Yes. Second Chronicles. <laughs> I'm about to say, I hope I read the right one. <laughs> Mike was like, um, girl. <laughs> um oh, you're good. But the backstory to this is basically um, like we said, because of David's sin, God told him that the sword would never leave his house. And so he had Solomon. And Solomon also sinned. Solomon had all these women that he wasn't supposed to have. And God was like, well, because of your dad, because David was a man after God's own heart, he said, your line won't lose the kingdom, but I'm going to divide the kingdom. And so this is where we get the division between Israel and Judah. Um, And that's where Rehoboam comes into play. And so Rehoboam is Solomon's son. So Solomon has died and Rehoboam takes over. And while Solomon was king, there was this other guy named Jeroboam who was basically told that he was going to become king. 
mind you, like God be moving to different places. <laughs> so he was so he was going to become king. Solomon caught wind of it, kicked them out. He got exiled to Egypt. And so now we have Rehoboam who's come to take over the kingdom um, after Solomon has died, which is his father, his father. And so all, all of Israel comes to Rehoboam, including Jeroboam, who was in Egypt. And they say, like, how will you rule? Are you going to rule like your daddy? Are you going to rule with an iron fist? And he was like, give me three days to think about it. The fact that he needed three days to think about how he was going to rule was so funny to me. But so during this time, um, he went to the elders first and he asked counsel, the older elders that was with his dad. He was like, you know, like the, the people are going to come to me and they're going to ask me how I'm, I'm going to rule. How should I rule? And the elders told him that he should be kind, be nice to the people. And they'll love you and everything will work out. Rehoboam didn't take that advice. <laughs> Rehoboam basically was just like, okay. And he went to his friends. He went to the young men that he grew up with. That's what the scripture says. And so he went to his friends and he was like, yeah, so what do y'all think I should say to these people when they come in three days about how I rule? And his friends said something that I love so much. They said, tell these people that your little finger, your pinky is going to be thicker than your father's loins. Mm. Tell them that my ch- father chastised you with whips, but I'm a chastise you with scorpions. Like they were basically like, whatever my dad did, I would be 10 times, Ten times worse. worse. My God. And like ooh, your, my little pinky fingers compared to his whole waist. Like that's really crazy. And so that's uh rare bomb did. He took the advice of his friends and when the people came and said, how will you rule? He said, um, I'm going to rule you with the worst iron fist that my daddy did. And so Israel split. And um, first, I just want to ask, like, Mike, like, did you have any takeaways from this story? So I did, but mine is a little different. So okay. I have been a Rehoboam in a secular workplace before, in a job. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember... Um, one of my first management, like real management jobs out of college. Um, first of all, I never wanted to, to be seen as a person that people walked all over, um, just because self-esteem issues, which I won't delve into on this show on Mm -hmm. tonight, but, um, I just wanted to be seen as this, you know, tough person, you know, don't take nothing off nobody. Like I'm tougher than the person that was here before. Like you're going to hear me roar. Like when you see me coming, you better be shaking and trembling in your boots. But um, so I, I, I ruled with that, but I quickly had to learn. Like I remember um, in particular one day, like, because I, like I said, I just wanted to be a no nonsense kind of guy in this management role because I had something to prove. I'm trying to get promoted and I'm trying to let people know like what, you know, I'm not playing with the people that I manage, right? And it's me being young, dumb, immature. So I remember one time um, I had an employee that called out and said he was sick. So I was like, okay, cool. So I walked, I was working in a mall at an apartment. So, so I walk out in the mall and I see him just chilling around the mall Apparently he's supposed to have his leg injury and stuff like that, but he was walking around the mall. So he sees me. So I call him back. I was like, Hey, I was like, Hey, yeah. Since you're so sick and, and you have this leg injury and stuff like that, you can't come in, just take the rest of the week off. I'm taking you off the schedule and that way you can recover. Okay. He was like, Oh no, 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 no. I can come in. I was like, no, no, no. 
just take the rest of the week off. Um, I know you don't have any PTO time. I know you don't have any hours and I know, you know, payday is coming, but I want you to be well. So um, just take the rest of the week off. And I remember like my boss was like, that's very extreme. You can't do that because it sounds like retaliation, but that's just the type of leader. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't say that was a leader. That's the kind of manager that I was. And that's what that story reminded me of because I wanted to rule with the iron fist because I did not want to be played with up until like I, I got this job in DC, right? So got a promotion and I'm responsible for being influential to 500 employees and stuff like that. And so I remember, you know, again, this iron fist coming out and saying, hey, you all need to do this. Like, this is what needs to happen. And I was called aggressive. And that's what stopped me was when, and I know this is a secular example to this particular story, but I remember like how small I felt being called aggressive like I'm a big black dude being called aggressive by white peers I remember how small that made me feel and I remember shifting that and having to you know change my tone change the way I led and leading with kindness leading with humility and leading with you know compassion rather than before I was leading with this iron fist because I want everybody to see how tough I was I want everybody to see that I had something to prove I want everybody to see that I could shake things up get things done Mm -hmm. and so this is what that story like reminded me of and you know it's just a bad reminder that can't be aggressive you can't rule with this iron fist and that's why the story kind of resonated with me because when you think about like these people in this particular story went to him and said are you gonna treat us like your father did he's basically like nah i'm gonna treat you worse I'm going to be worse. I'm going to, what you thought was harsh from my dad, I'm going to, he's going to be nice compared to what I'm going to do to you. And I think sometimes even in church, we take on these mentalities, right? Mm -hmm. Like we take on these mentalities because, and, and it goes back to something I always say too, is sometimes church is the only place where we feel important. Yeah. In real life, we got janitor jobs. In real life, we got low totem pole jobs. But in church, we feel that we are the upper echelon. So, of course, we feel like we can jump on this cardboard box or on this sort on this soapbox rather and treat people nasty, treat people rude, and 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 be dogmatic and be just you know whatever instead of just treating people with a simple kindness and treating people with respect, treating people and hearing people out with compassion, you know. Yeah. You said a lot of really good things. I think um, the first thing, and this is kind of off topic, but I was watching a TED talk. I know you didn't want to get into this, but I was watching a TED talk and it was talking about um, basically um, how to not be a jerk. And a lot of times the people that we consider to be jerks are the times that we are jerks is because we are actually dealing with something internally. We don't actually love ourselves. He was saying like the resolution to it is to talk to yourself. And it's it's funny because like it's weird to say that to somebody, and like, but he said something about like putting your hand on your heart and saying like I love me and giving yourself affirmations. And it's funny because I didn't think that that would work, but this week I was literally stressed, and one of my friends um, reminded me that I should pray. <laughs> and after I finished praying, I told myself, "Christ is in me, so peace is in me." And I immediately felt better. And it was the weirdest thing. And I just kept saying that to myself, like to calm myself down. Christ is in me, so peace is in me. And when I did that, like I I didn't feel overwhelmed anymore. I've been feeling very whelmed 
not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed, just whelmed, just whelmed. Just <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, sometimes we got to speak to ourselves when we're being jerks. Um, I'll, I'll just say it. I don't know if the saints feel like that's a cuss word, but I'm okay. But no, you do, you do, because sometimes like you don't see yourself, right? You don't yeah. see yourself. You don't realize like, you know, you're being that way. But a lot of times and it, it is right because I was like insecure at the time, like because I had gone through life where people said I was soft. People said that mm-hmm. I was too nice and all this other stuff. And I was like, well, I got something to prove. Like I'm I'm this this too nice. Mike is 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 not going to be here like he's gone. Like, I want people to see this big black bearded dude in his suit and be scared out their boots and move and stuff. But that's not the way you want to be treated because trust and believe you treat people like that. Somebody's waiting down the line to intimidate you the same way, you know. And like I said, and again, I'm calling myself a believer in Christ. I'm calling myself a believer. What if those people want to be saved? What if they wanted to turn around and say, hey, what church do you go to? Yeah. You know what they would say? I would never follow Mike to church. He just as mean as a as bear guts as old people say. So, you know, and I had to change that about myself quick. And I did. And I was able to change the narrative because when I left that job, people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're you're leaving. Like you've been, you know, such a big support, all this other stuff. But it wasn't like that at first. Like he was being called aggressive. He's kind of mean, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was just one of those things where I had to learn how to adjust, learn how to not be that Rehoboth and say, yeah, just because, you know, they did it like this first and they were mean, don't mean I'm going to be 10 times meaner to get my point across, you know? So yeah. Um, I had a few points from this story. The first is the importance of temperance. I think um, temperance is a fruit that we don't talk about often. And like just being able to control yourself, having self-control, being level-headed, thinking straight, using good judgments is important. The second point is leadership under fear. And I think a lot of us in the 90s and stuff grew up with that. Were like, and sometimes our leaders weren't necessarily intimidating, but I remember being afraid a lot. I was scared to talk about, but my bishop was my uncle and I loved him to death. But I just thought, like, I never seen him as a villain, but I was just like, if I don't act right, he's going to know. If, like, it was just a lot of like fearful, and it was a lot of preaching that created fear as well. You're going to hell, or I'm going to out you. And by out you, I mean, I think I shared with you before about how my friend, um, he was gay and how he walked into a, a church service and basically the the preacher had information and basically like told all the saints like out of him in front of all the saints about what happened and and it was an intimidation tactic and like even just going up before everyone in church and confessing about like i had a baby and telling us like all of that stuff is just a way that was 90s apostolic church yeah and it was just like very fearful like i don't want to be caught doing something and i mean maybe maybe it was helpful maybe people didn't send us but i'm starting to find stories that they were still sitting like (laughs) people were tearing things up they were tearing the building down but like you just didn't know about it and people move very sneaky and made clever devils as my bishop used to say but yeah so we just have to be careful with leading 
out of fear and leadership out of fear. But go ahead, Micah. You had a comment on that? No, no, no. You you bring so many points because just to bring this back to just from a church standpoint, like I do remember, you know, in the 90s, like so if a girl was found pregnant, like you had to come before the church and you would sit down. Yeah. And there's a lot of churches that still believe that way. They still practice those same methods. But I think we end up breeding a culture for people to sneak around. We breed a culture for people just to do more things in secrecy, whatever. Instead of, you know, having honest conversations with people, we don't condone sin, right? Because right. it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, we don't want to create this idea or notion that we start producing these proud graces. Yeah. But at the same time, it's that, you know, we just have, it's a lot more people doing a lot more things where they're starting to sneak around a lot more. And then, like your pastor said, just coming these these clever devils. And so, for me, I think that um, I I grew up and like my pastor growing up was intimidating. Like I would never go sit in the office with him by nothing. Like I just wouldn't. Like he just because he was like a no nonsense kind of guy. He just did not like play. But I also knew like. I wasn't going to do anything that, you know, was contrary. You know, I wasn't going to do anything but a lot. But there were churches that was around us that was a lot worse. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, there was a lot of churches that was a lot worse. Whereas in like I, I knew of churches growing up where if you cut your hair, you got set down as a woman. If you cut your hair, you got set down. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, um, you know, got caught dating, you got set down. Like there was just a lot of these things that people did, you know, in fear. And then we do get out into the real world. We have no idea how to maneuver because we were we had we were under this heavy notion of fear like what might happen you know I might be exposed so you know I I better not I might be but why is that it's enough that the wages of sin is death but why do we also kill people as well you know when we're leaders like why do why as a leader you know if you don't repent of your sins and things of that nature, we know what the consequences are. But why do we as human beings and as leaders try to double down on what God, we try to go ahead and put you in a man-made hell by embarrassing you. Or we try to put you in this man-made hell of trying to sit you down and trying to make an example out of you. And it goes back to like rare bond, it goes back to ego, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these principles, I'm not saying you're a pastor, I'm just saying people stuff that I witnessed yeah. in growing up, it was ego. It was ego because I got something to prove. I want to prove that this house is going to be in order. And if it's not in order, if it's not done, Brent being done right, I'm going to make an example out of you. I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to make your life, you know, um, miserable if you don't come under subjection of what I am. There's people out there that do things like that. And that's the real scary stories I hear. Those are the real Halloween stories I hear yeah. are these leaders that use their power and use their, their, their influence to control and manipulate the people so bad that, you know, people do things out of fear. They get married out of fear. You know, they, they, you know, duty, they give money in church out of fear, you know, they uh, come to church out of fear. And I remember being in a situation where I had to go out of town a couple of times. This was at a church I went to in college, I had to go out of town a couple of times. And I was shaking and trembling, having to tell the pastor that I was going to be out of town. Wow. 
because it was just one of those things where why you why where are you going why can't you be back on sunday morning those were going to be the the answers that i was going to get i would be shake and tremble having to go in his office and say like well pastor i can't be here on sunday because i'm gonna be out of town or i'm going somewhere yeah. because i knew what that would like what that would cause like what kind of conversation that would be instead of saying like well have a safe trip yeah. Because you're here every Sunday, you deserve a break. Yeah, it was well when I go out of town, I'm back on Sunday. I'm, well, you're the pastor, right? Those are the kind of rare bombs, or I, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, mm-hmm. that we have walking around now. Is these people that try to rule their church under fear? Right. You know, that we're very big on honor. Why we, as, especially as black people, we're so big on honor. You need to honor me. You need to honor me. You need to honor me. Yes, we believe in giving deference and and reverencing and and giving honor to the leaders. But why are we so big on honor and loyalty? You need to honor the leader. You don't honor the leader, you'll be cursed. And I've said, heard people say this, and mm. it's, it's it's very very intriguing, and it's very um it's very eye opening of sorts. So yeah, and. You raise a lot of good points, but I, I want to highlight some of the things in the story that were missed. The first one is the fact that he went to wise counsel first, older counsel, and then rejected that advice and went to the friends he grew up with. And I think mm. a lot of times us as young people, um, we are limited in our perception. And even right. with this podcast, you know, like we're talking in a bubble amongst ourselves about things, but Pew Baby's knowledge is limited. <laughs> we haven't experienced life before. There's a lot of things we haven't done or know. I've never been married. I never had kids. I never was over a church. Like my knowledge is limited. And I think um, the importance, and we talk about this a lot of spiritual mentors, talking to your pastor getting guidance from people who are older and more experienced. And I'm not saying that experience is always right, but I'm saying that experience is helpful and experience should be considered. Cause I think a lot of times um, what we tend to do is reject older saints and we just kind of like, be like, well, they don't know. (laughs) They don't know what they're talking about. Or we don't don't even think to go ask them. Mm-hmm. like and it's just like somebody might have experienced something there are things that i am going through now that i'm in my 30s that when i talk to my mom about it she's like oh i dealt with that i'm like what girl you got a story <laughs> and like right. you know and she because she doesn't know what's going on or because i don't bring it up to her she's just like oh i never thought we would have to talk about this or I, like she was like oh i never thought about it and it's just like you know that is a resource for us there's wisdom and and like don't disregard the wisdom because again the people your age are great the people your age can be wise the people that your age can give really good advice but their knowledge is limited and like tap into all your resources i think is the key here and then actually when your resource is giving you good advice you should take it cuz Rehoboam didn't in this situation and i just want to get back to the point of kindness and ruling with kindness and leadership with kindness. And you talked about it, Mike, where you feel like you can communicate with people instead of fear makes you feel like I can't even tell you what happened or what's going on or what I'm struggling with or 
um, I can't even express myself because if not, I'm going to be rejected or I'm going to be shunned or I'm going to be sat down. And I'm realizing now that there um, is freedom in talking to your fellow saints. There is freedom in talking to your leaders. There's freedom in asking questions. Um, There was something that I was dealing with. I won't share it, but, you know, we all have something that we struggle with. And there was something I was struggling with. And I, um, one of my friends was talking about it and I was, I was like, oh, this is so taboo. We should not be discussing this. And not to out myself, but I'm like, this is just, we should not have a discussion. (laughs) And like, and my friend was just like, you know, like, it's okay for us to discuss it. And when we did, I felt free. And honestly, it didn't hold me in bondage the way it did when I was just like dealing with myself. Because what we tend to do, like you were saying earlier, Mike, is that we tend to look at our sin when we're in our sin and just be like, well, it's not that bad. I'm only going to smoke weed once. Right. And then it ends up every week I'm smoking it once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'm only going to watch pornography just this time. This is the last time. And you keep doing it. Oh, I'm just going to eat until I'm full. But then you find yourself eating a snack and another snack and another snack. And you're just constantly consuming and eating. Oh, I'm only going to buy this thing from Amazon one time. I'm not going to buy anything else. Because let's talk about like, there's so many things that are access, our sins, because we just don't have self-control. Again, exactly. temperance. Exactly. And like, it, and stuff goes beyond sin is not necessarily about what you do. It's about to the extent that you do it. Everything should be in moderation because we get addicted to things very easily and you have to pay attention to your addictions. There's a difference between waking up every day and going to the gym versus I have to be in the gym every day and your mindset is not about being healthy, but it's about, I need to look good. I need to get more men or more women to be attracted to me. I hate the way I feel when I eat because I don't like myself. You know, there are certain things that are connected to our addictions and our habits that we have to investigate and evaluate. And that could be a place of sin for us. Sin is not a book of rules. (laughs) It's about our behavior and why are we doing things and what's our motivation? So I think that's another thing to look at. And again, being free to share is important. Okay. So sorry, last, last story. And this, I'm sure like you were probably confused about watching this one. (laughs) I reread it and reread it, but I just wanted to, I'll let you explain. Okay. So this one is Acts 15, one through 12. And basically here, Paul and Barnabas, they're like doing their missions and getting people saved who are the Gentiles. And basically, there's some people who came down from Judea, mind you, followers of Christ, and they were talking about the circumcision. And this created a really big controversy. And they were just like, you have to be circumcised. You have to keep the law of Moses. Just going at it like, who are these people? And so Peter like finally got up and he was like, I gave the Acts 238 message to the Gentiles. We know they got the Holy Ghost. We know that God is with them. We was all there. And so he was like, circumcision doesn't matter. And I think when he made that statement, it talks about the room being silenced. It says, then all the multitude kept silence. And they finally gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. And they finally listened to what Barnabas and Paul had to say. These people that were talking about the miracles and things that were being done with the Gentiles. Um, So, Mike, did you have any... (laughs) 
any thoughts or you want to hear my thoughts on the villainy? Let me hear your thoughts first. Okay. Let me hear your thoughts. So the villain here, like I, I, I pointed out, I wanted to talk about this discussion as Peter, but the real villains in this part are the people who are already saved. It's, it's, a, it's an easy, simple thing that we see in church all the time. The rules. You're not abiding by the rules. You can't be saved if you don't do this. You can't be saved if you don't do that. Your dress isn't long enough. You're not saved. You're showing this. You're not saved. You're here. You're not saved. And basically, Peter, and and, and it's funny because this is like a, a good villain in my mind, an anti-hero, I should say, where, <laughs> where Peter was just like, enough is enough. Like, we know that God can move. We know that God can heal. We know that God can say we were all there. We saw this person get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost on the altar. So the fact that they're still wearing pants, because I need to talk to my people now. <laughs> so the fact that they're still wearing pants at church and you're like, but you're supposed to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost shouldn't matter at this point. Because we want to talk about God's works. We want to talk about what God is doing. For me, I think Peter became... The, the saints obviously was the villain in all of this. They wouldn't even let Paul and Barnabas share the good news that was happening amongst the Gentiles. But Peter had to become a villain to the saints. And in that way, by basically telling them to stop. <laughs> Mind your business. Mind your business. And um, this is just something that has been on me for a while, because like I said, I grew up as very militant Christian, very conservative of if you don't have a prayer cap on, if your skirt is not below your knee, if you are dressed and your clothes are too tight, if you look like you've been to the club or I know you were at the club or if you're not playing gospel music 24-7, if your hair is any other color than what your natural hair color is, if you put braids in your hair, if you cut your hair, if you, all of these things, then you're not saved. If you're wearing white stockings instead of black stockings, if you're wearing red clothes instead of whatever, you are not saved. And I think it took me a while and it took me an understanding of getting to know other saints and where they were and realizing these people are like, these people are filled with the Holy Ghost. These people have gifts. These people can pray. These people can move and they don't look like me or they're not following the rules. And God is still there. You know, it, it took that for me to be like, okay, and I might have to be the villain in this story. <laughs> but <laughs> I think um, it's a very important for the saints to know that certain convictions and certain knowledge come later. That's one. I'll start there. If someone comes to your church and you are a dress wearing church or you're a prayer cap wearing church or whatever, you can't just because they got the Holy Ghost, you should not be putting pressure on them to quickly change. Why? Well, you got the Holy Ghost now, so you need to look like this. That is not how we should be dealing with that situation. First off, leave it up to your pastor to go talk to those people. You don't do it. Second, people should have knowledge before they take on these things. You know what I mean? We do these things for a reason. We don't just do it because that's the rules of we I mean, obviously it is the rules of the house, but there's a reason why it's the rules of the house. You know, there's scriptures and there's things and people have to come to knowledge. We can't just be like, well, you're supposed to be saved now, so you should look like this. So that's one. Like I said, I'm talking to my people right now. <laughs> Part 2 of this whole situation is that when it comes to salvation, 
and having the Holy Ghost. These petty things, circumcision, doesn't matter. What matters is the fruit. And if we're not showing fruit as the saints, and if as soon as somebody comes up and they're talking about the goodness of the Lord and we tear them down because it's like, you can't talk about the goodness because you don't know the goodness because look at the way you look. Look at where you was at. You know, like for... (laughs) Like no, you're we, telling you're telling the truth. Do we think like, like do we think that God can't save prostitutes? Do we think that God can't save strippers? Do we think that God can't straight save people in the streets? Like I, I think it's important for us to rem- to not make church a boys' club or a girls' club, to not make church an exclusive place where we automatically cast somebody out or discount them and discount God working in them discount their message and and i'm gonna be like i'm gonna be careful with this because there is a there is a time and a place for these things you know what Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. yeah i mean we don't want everybody speaking on our pulpit i agree with that right there's rules and guidelines that people need to follow but what i'm saying here is that we have to be careful of casting judgment as saints and not becoming villains in these situations where god is actually trying to move he's trying to do something and I, I think our first response is always judge, 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 instead of sitting back, sit back and observe the situation first, use your discernment because you should have it, you know, use your love, use your kindness, use your temperance, use your fruit and evaluate. We can't just automatically be like, you don't look like me. So I'm gonna leave that there, but go ahead, Mike. No, I mean, you you said a mouthful and I'm glad you were able to go first and explain because I didn't think about the, I think it was the Pharisees yeah. in this story being the villains, like in this particular um, point, because I think the other stories were so used to the kings that, or the people that were, you know, ruling at that time being the villains. Mm-hmm. But um, what's crazy about this and, and what I love about Acts is a lot of people say, and I agree this, this should be called the Acts of the church. Right. Right. Um, and so you know, and and this is an act of the church right now in the 21st century. A lot of times, especially in our uh, apostolic churches, is that we we like to reside in fantasy land, right? We love to pray that a prostitute comes in. We love to pray that the drug dealer comes in. We love that 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 those kind of prayers excite us until it really happens, right? Mm-hmm. Until it really happens where we have a prostitute comes in and be saved, and then or 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 better yet, a, a transvestite comes in. And, and, and be saved and then you know we don't know what to do we don't know how to maneuver we don't know how to pivot you know that person in there and so a lot of times like and I've had to check my own self even with people whatever because I grew up where you know if you if I saw somebody with pants on in church I'm like oh no you know if I saw you know a young man with with dreads in his hair oh no oh no they supposed to be, they supposed to have the Holy Ghost. They supposed to be saved. And I had to check myself because, again, you know, that doesn't mean that the Lord didn't, because who am I to say that the Lord did not fill them with the Holy, with the Holy Ghost, right. you know, for me to sit back and say, hey, like, you know, this, this, this young lady got pants on in here. Like she can't be saved, whatever. And I had to check myself because I had, I, I, I found myself seeing God work through people like that. 
And my thing is now, if you ask me about any of those things, my, my response is simply this. What does the Holy Ghost in you convey you to do? What is it telling you to do? And so you brought out so many like great points because I think a lot of times, you know, being that we come, we came up in a very conservative era of apostolicism. You know, we came up in the era of, you know, of, of if you was a woman, a, a dress below your knees and, you know, your no split, your slips, you know, head covering, you know, no colored hair, you know, some churches, minimum jewelry, a lot of churches, no jewelry. So there was a lot of restrictions and stuff. And we were programmed um, to to know that anything outside of this is not ordained of God. It's not ordained of God. It's a stink of his nostril and we should shut ourselves away and shut ourselves down from it. But look at how much we've missed out from making these kind of assumptions and stuff like that. We've literally thrown away a lot of people. We've thrown away a lot of ministries and stuff because they've missed such a very small part of what God is requiring us to be. A dress code is a very small part. Mm-hmm. it's a very small part and in the scheme of things it is a it's a big deal in the some scheme of things whatever because i still do believe that image there is an image that the people of god should have I but in my opinion it has nothing to do with a sense of because we, we we need to look safe and we need to have this yeah you we should look safe also we should represent the kingdom well and so in our appearance in our talk in the way we present ourselves and you'll hear this probably on another episode that we that we have done apostolic wealth and we'll delve into that but you know here's the other thing too is i recently i started tuning into this church online and i'm gonna go ahead and put the church out there i've been tuning into new zion temple while i'm at work right And I remember telling, I was telling a friend of mine, I, I was, because at first everybody was was looking at Bishop Brandon Jacobs and they was like, and I, I didn't really tune in because I couldn't get past, you know, seeing people lead, do praise and worship with pants on and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But my a friend of mine told me, there was like, sometimes you'll get in a space where when you really need something from God, you'll learn to look past it. And I did because every day when I'm at work, I'm tuning in to their service, whatever, and literally getting something out of it, whatever. And it was at that point where I realized that that's such a small part, you know, to what in the in the grand scheme of things, whatever. They got on pants over there. So what? So what? The young man got earrings on, you know, on the praise team. So what? And so it's, you know, not that it's going to make me change my personal convictions of how I present and carry myself, but at the same time, I'm not so far removed from what God is doing in other places, whatever, because for a long time, we adapted this attitude of we're the only ones right. Mm -hmm. My church is the only one right, whatever, you know, we're the the only, ain't nobody saved but me. Ain't nobody, don't nobody have the Holy Ghost but me. And I'm very careful about saying that because if you receive the baptism in Jesus' name and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues and you're living according to the word of God, why am I, you know, who am I to be a Pharisee and stand up and say, well, but yeah, what about this skirt? Yeah, but what, but what about the hair covering? And I see so much of this on Facebook all the time. And I'm like, at this point, there's time out for that. There's time out for us to rise, rising up and saying, yeah, but what about, what about this? And what about that? 
when the number one guy's number one commodity is souls at the mm-hmm. end of the day yeah. his 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 number one priority is building the kingdom his number one priority is getting them in there getting them in there and i think sometimes like we are so uh caught up on trying to make sure we scale the fish before we or, or clean the fish before we catch it or scale the fish before we catch it that we end up losing the fish and so now I'm not trying to get off on another in another subject, but it just goes to show that a lot of times that um, we can set ourselves back by being the Pharisees because we want to be follow this strict guideline of rules. And yes, we do have rules in place. There are some rules that we have in place that we do need to follow. Yeah. There's some rules of the church that we do need to follow. Yeah. There's some standards in place that we do need to follow. You know, because they keep order, they keep certain things in and they keep certain things from from getting in. It keeps, you know, they keep certain things out. But at the same time, I've learned to adjust the way I view and the what I look at and open myself up to other things, because a lot of times a lot of and I'll be honest and I'm probably going to get some backlash for saying this. But a lot of times if we're looking for something that looks exactly like us and something that we're familiar to, we're going to miss it because you know, that's not always where it is. And if we be honest, how many times can we turn on a live stream somewhere and find people looking exactly like we look that have, I'm not saying they don't have the anointing, but where we're moved enough to say, you know what, I'm going to keep watching. So try the spirit by the spirit. It doesn't say Mm -hmm. try the spirit by what it look like. Exactly. It don't say try the spirit by what it sound like or how it talks. It says try the spirit by the spirit. So I, like Mike said, I'm not against rules. I follow rules. I definitely believe that there's a certain standard of holiness. But what I'm saying here is that we need to care more about fruit first. And honestly, like that's, I think that's my biggest focus, fruit first. Because what we're doing is first, like you said, we're doing a disjustice to our own selves about who we fellowship with, who we, who the information that we receive, how we're exalted, how we're encouraged. But then we are also creating a level of clever devils in our own ministries. We are. Because what we're doing is we're allowing people to sneak by who don't have the fruit of the spirit. They don't have the Holy Ghost, but they look like it. We're having, this is the whole point of church culture. This is why church culture was able to develop because they have a handbook of how to look like church but not be the church. And I think we're losing generations and generations of saints because they have skipped by. It's so crazy to me. I mean, the Holy Ghost is a gift and we talked about that, but it it still gets me that like, and, and not to bash people. I mean, sometimes it does take a while for you to open yourself up to getting the Holy Ghost, but for somebody to be in your church and be comfortable for years and years without feeling the need to tarry, God. And they don't have the Holy Ghost, a deacon, an elder or whatever, don't have the Holy Ghost and sitting for years and years and don't tarry, don't call out to God, don't move. And for us, to just so there's be a like, deacon, and, deacon and elders, deacons, elders s- singing all this stuff that don't have the Holy Ghost sitting in our own congregations and don't feel the need to get it. 
How is that possible? Or if they feel the need to get it, they're not making the sacrifice. They're not going down to the altar. They're not tarrying. They're not giving up what they need to give up because they feel so comfortable because they fit into the church culture. And we're not challenging the church culture. And I think that's that's the point that we're missing is that the spirit of God is moving and he's moving in places that and people that don't look like us. But we're missing it because we're so focused on what we look like that our own saints are get, aren't getting the spirit. They don't have the spirit. They don't have the Holy Ghost. And that should be priority. I think that's the crazy part for me is that we, like you said, you have so many people that don't that don't have the Holy Ghost in our midst, whatever. And they don't see the urgency and they don't feel it when they're in our midst, whatever. We got the look. We got the look. We got the look down pack. We got the act of church down pack. Yes. We got the routine of church down pack, but we don't have we don't have the glory of God that's gone out. And I think for us, we recognize, and let's be honest, let's be honest. You said try the spirit by the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. We recognize uh, that these other churches are out here and that the glory of the Lord is resting on them, but we refuse to 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 recognize it we refuse to i don't want to say recognize we refuse to give it any kind of credit because we feel like of sense well they don't they didn't have to sacrifice the way we did they they didn't have to you know look the way we look and they didn't have to do that so there's no way you know they that they are saved over there because you know they felt like well I've, I've i've sacrificed 30 years of my life wearing a skirt every day i've sacrificed you know not going to the movies i've sacrificed you know not wearing braids in my hair and stuff like that you mean to tell me these people over here they got braids they got earrings they got makeup and they're you know people are getting saved i just refuse to believe it but, you know, again, two different types of preferences can coexist at the same time. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have to tighten up. There's no reason why, you know, we got all of these, you know, preferences. We got all of this dogma. We got all of these uh, uh, legalism going on in church. And the real solution is not is that nobody is getting saved. You know, people feel very comfortable sitting in our midst, having their active church, having their active godliness, putting on a suit every Sunday, going to sit in church, but don't feel the unction to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't feel the unction to be delivered. Don't feel the unction. They feel very comfortable coming in church Sunday after Sunday, you know, with the same old thing and leaving the same way we came and that's a very dangerous place to be in and instead of just recognizing like okay like you know maybe the glory of god is over here maybe we should you know and i'm not saying we don't uh, what i don't like is when people change their church overnight and try to change convictions and stuff i'm not saying that Mm -hmm. nothing taken down you know if you believe that blue was blue in you know 50, 60 years ago, believe blue is blue is now. Right. What I am saying is you we better get in a point of starting to see what the Lord is doing. Because the scriptures is true. He said, it's this, he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The word of God can't lie. And he also said in Matthew 24, and I keep going back to it in the um parables where Jesus was telling the disciples, was telling them, Lord, Lord, what should be the signs of not coming? He went through the wars, the rumors of wars and the famines and the pestilence. Mm-hmm. But he said, I come into so all the gospel has been preached to this world. And don't just think just because you got six or seven people sitting in your church that's that you're the only pre- people preaching the gospel. 
because God is not going to be a man that he should lie. And so I just think that we are in a very dangerous position when we get bold enough to do like the Pharisees and say, well, no, no, these rules is, is what we should do over here. This is the way we've been doing it. They need to be circumcised. They need to be in a long skirt. No, 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 no. They, they need to take those braids out. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They need to take those earrings out in order for, for them to walk over here with us, in order for them to walk over here with us, and in order for them to, to walk, you know, the upright with them. If they don't do that, they can't, they, they're not, they're not able to be saved with us. So it's um it's sad when you think about it in a sense, but this is reality, and there's a lot of that going on today. I'm gonna wrap up with my final comments on this. Um, but Mike, you've been preaching all night. <laughs> no, if I no, could no, send you an no. offer, I would. But no, 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 when no. you were talking about the sacrifice, I sacrificed how what I wear or where I go. And like it just came to me like you're giving the wrong sacrifice. The sacrifice isn't that. It's not that surface level stuff. The sacrifice is your flesh. Are we sacrificing our flesh? Are, are we dressing in skirts and still being in sin? My God, my God. Are are we not going to clubs, but then playing club music at home? Is our walk making sense? And so my final remarks on this is just like, for me, because like I said, it's a self-evaluation. For me, my goal is to not be in this villain error where I don't look at fruit first. Like what I'm looking for is fruit. I don't want to give the wrong sacrifice. I'm not trying to be a cane anymore. Mm. I'm trying to be I'm an I'm not angel. trying to be a cane anymore. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to keep giving the wrong sacrifice. Yes, I, 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 I stick to what I believe. I still, still have my holiness standard. I'm still going to dress the way I'm supposed to dress. I'm still going to care about that because that's in me. But what I'm saying is that I am going to focus more on fruit. I'm not going to judge other people because they don't look like what I think a holy person should look like or what I've been taught a holy person should look like or how I wear my holiness. You know what I mean? And like I said, there's a way for people to develop things, but we got to come to the conclusion first. These things are not the sacrifice. The flesh is the sacrifice. And like, it just cannot be that people are still struggling with masturbation, pornography, homosexuality, drugs, being addicted to television, alcohol, and excessive drinking. It can't be that people are still dealing with these things and we're like, well, your skirt not long enough. That's crazy. Honestly, I just want to live for Christ. I want to focus on my fruit and what I've been bearing. And so I'm stopping this villain error in a lot of ways. And Watch out for part two, you guys. <laughs> I'm excited yes. to talk about actual villains and not just people who had the spirit. But I think like listening, looking at these stories at, at times where saints can and have been the problem and have been the villain and trying to evaluate ourselves and like in every space, am I being Christ-like in every space am I showing fruit? Because like I said, I got caught slipping. And if that person is listening, I apologize to you. I am so sorry that I had said something that shouldn't have been said. And I said something in a way that 
definitely would hurt someone's feelings, regardless of whether it was a personal conversation and a private conversation or it was a public conversation. That shouldn't have been my conversation at all. And I think I'm trying to focus more on paying attention to how I am sewing. Because again, if I just say and do all willy nilly, there are consequences to my actions. I don't want to be a David where God is like, well, because you spoke against my people, I'm going to have something spoken against yours. I don't want that on my future. I don't want that on my kids' future. I don't want that on the ministry or anything else that I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? I don't want my witness to blaspheme Christ. And I think um, doing this evaluation and trying to see, am I being the villain is important. And I hope we all challenge ourselves. So my final comments, sorry. No, I think um, you said it. Um, I think it's just challenging ourselves to be better and not to be a villain. Some people have been born to be natural survivors. Mm -hmm. Some people have born to be, you know, natural, you know, fight or flight. You know, some people have been born just in these situations where it's just they they had to go in survivor mode. You know, in church, a lot of times we've we've had to go in villain mode, right? You know, we've had to just naturally go into villain mode because, you know, we found ourselves in a situation where that made us a villain. Look at David. David started out being villainized by Saul and and David became a villain. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, it starts out by us being villain, villainized in church. But but let me tell you something. You can allow that to be, that to, to allow you to become a villain because as long as you're in church, as long as you are in this world, somebody's going to villainize you. There's going to always be a villain here. If you don't have a villain. If you don't have somebody always against you, whatever. You might want to check what you're doing, check what you're doing in Christ, but you're going to always have a villain, but you have to be strong enough to say, I'm not going to be a villain. I'm not going to become the trauma that somebody else has inflicted on me mm-hmm. you know and i think it's all about doing that self-evaluation and doing that self-inventory to say hey i don't want to become you know um you know a rehabam i don't want to become you know a a saul i don't want to become a david you know i, I don't want his bestie in his bashiba era you know and if there's anything you know and, and i think again if there's any bashiba standing in standing in our way it's best for us to go ahead you know and get those things and start sucking those things deliverance isn't like uh, it's funny because when I was growing up, they said somebody got delivered. I, I immediately thought they went to the altar and it was just gone away. Right. It's a process, it's a right? Process. But start the process now. Mm-hmm. Start the process now so that you can start, you know, getting those Bathshebas out of your way and get to your destiny. Get to what God really has for you to do. There's a lot of work to be done out here. There's a lot of work to be done. And then also too, you know, just looking at... Um, just looking at, you know, uh, Peter and looking at uh, Paul and Barnabas and things like that. Don't become the Pharisee church, you know, don't become this Pharisee church. And again, like you, I just want to live so I can use me, you know, but I don't want to become a, a a person. The older I get, I'm, I'm walking away from all of these like rules and I'm not, I'm walking away from rules. But I'm walking away from all these things I have in my own mind, you know, that I, you know, these things, well, see, this is the way we used to do it when I was coming up in church right. and woof. Did you see? They just allow. They allow. They allow anybody in church now. They just do anything in church. 
let me cut that off, whatever. Because my thing is, if the Lord has anointed a ministry and souls are getting saved, souls are being delivered, souls are being set free and, and the kingdom is growing, who am I to walk in to say, like, well, this is what, and to disrupt something that God is doing? And so we have to learn to stop being so disruptive in our thinking. We have to learn to stop being so disruptive in, in our theology. We have to learn to stop being so disruptive and, you know, start, you know, taking the time out to appreciate that there's some people that's just not going to look like us and sound like us. But, you know, that's part of God's kingdom. The kingdom, I believe, is a melting pot of people. It's a melting pot of people. We we because we've been so long, you know, throughout Pentecostal history, we were robots for a long time. You know, we all looked and sounded alike. And some people call it unity, but when we look at it there, you know, if if we can all look alike, yes, we can all sound alike, yes. But are we all, all on the same level of deliverance? Are we all delivered? You know, right. you know, we look alike, but we, you know, some folks are over here still fornicating, some people over here struggling with their homosexuality sexuality some people over here are still you know struggling with pornography you got these over here uh, um, struggling with domestic violence and stuff mm-hmm. but we come to church on sunday we have this unity because we are, have a uniform look but this uniform look has you know uh, uh it has produced a a prideful spirit it has produced a sense of pride we're too proud to get the help we need and get delivered we're too proud because we have adopted this look and yes we might have the holy ghost but you know after we get the holy ghost because now we've taken on a a look of what we think holiness and what church should be we feel like that we are okay well i got the look i have the tongues but no you don't have the help you need Mm. you know that's why you're still mean you know you don't have the help you need that's why you know you you know you know that's why you still you know struggling and going through that's why you're depressed that's why you know you're you're still you know struggling in your mind because you refuse to get the help that you need and so um i think a lot of that is just doing a whole lot of self-searching searching the mind searching the soul whatever that we don't become these villains get these villain spirits rather um and so that we can help progress the kingdom and become who we need to be in christ so that's all I have. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say is that if you go back and read these stories, you know, you'll realize that God is orchestrating all of it, even the villainy. Remember that Saul, God sent a, a evil spirit to trouble Saul uh, with Rehoboam for this cause was in the scripture because God had made told Solomon, this is what I'm going to do. The villainy was all in God's process. And I think what we need to think about is getting back to Christ and asking him and talking with him. Um, my pastor, um, he said something really profound and it's really just about the attack of the saints with communicating with Christ. We're not praying. And like I said, today I was stressed out and I had to be reminded to pray because I'm so used to taking control and and having things in my own hand and self-evaluation cannot be done without prayer. Self-evaluation cannot be done without putting yourself against the measuring stick of the Bible, of the word of God, of preaching of just talking to Jesus. Like the best advice that we can give, I really think is just like taking the time out to just pray about these things. And like, I, and I hate to say it because prayer doesn't fix everything. I will say that it doesn't fix everything, but prayer should be the first thing that we go to. It should, it should be, be your triage. Course. 
it should be like if we're if we're thinking about like I have a wound. We immediately get the first aid kit. Prayer is your first aid kit. Don't forget your first aid kit. Don't forget the basics. Because when you forget the basics, you you really are just out here. Yeah. So let's not do our villain stage and let's talk to God about how to not be villain. Yes. <laughs> or finding what our villainy is. Because we all have it. And we can, we and we talked we about that in our last episode, Mike, about going between, sometimes we do move between spiritual, our spirituality, and then sometimes we end up in carnality. And, you know, like we want to be less carnal. We want to make the carnality section less and less, you know, natural. Okay. That was something that somebody told me I need to correct to. Being natural is different than being carnal. Let's make a distinction there. But <laughs> But we want to be less carnal. So anyway, all right. Music ministry. Gosh, we've been on here for a long time. Y'all gonna hate Oof. us. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those long road trips you guys taking, you guys got content now. You so just remember that. Sections, right? Yeah. But this was good. I'm sorry, my soul is happy. Like, ooh, I was yes. saying, I've been listening to this right after this, Mike, because you were saying <laughs> some stuff. Ooh. Um music ministry yes so have you been listening to anything that has blessed your soul this week i'm gonna choose my top one because we've been on here for a while um i've gone back to jonathan mcreynolds which i haven't been listening to him for a while and we talk about grace but i don't know why but this song really moves me the lyrics are really good um so um jonathan mcreynolds grace I needed your grace more than I thought I This is such a beautiful song and the choir comes in and they just sing grace and it's very nice. But my favorite part of the song, it says, um, I thought I was stronger in my head, but I needed your grace. And a lot of times I think that um, we beat ourselves up for making mistakes, but not only that, but we also think that we are God in some, in some of our cases and that like we can keep ourselves from sin and we can't that's the point of grace that's the point of christ is that he is what keeps us we are striving to be perfect amen instead of just like don't beat yourself up if you're not perfect don't beat yourself up if you're a villain we get it like it happens and like don't stay in need of the grace (laughs) but you're not as strong as you think you are none of us are because at the end of the day, we are flesh. We're fighting against the flesh. But thank God for grace. So it was a beautiful song. But yeah, okay. That song always makes me a little teary-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to only do one song. Um, The song is I Owe Jesus. It's by Justin Power and Adoration. I think they're from the Delaware area, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I recognize Justin Power. <laughs> he was on Sunday's um, uh, Best, wasn't he? Might have been. Okay. Might have been. Um, 
but yeah, this is I O Jesus. I heard the song being sung at um a, somebody pull up an old clip of Patrick Riddick and Divine Worship singing it at a um GMWA. And so okay. I found the original artist and it's just empowering adoration. And I've been listening to it all week. This is I O Jesus. So that was just empower adoration. Um, I would play more of it, but I'm kind of sitting in a public place right now. Uh, <laughs> Mike is gonna record no matter where he is. I appreciate. That. I'm gonna record no matter where I am. So um, this is I O Jesus. Um, it's, like I said, a really nice song, um, and it, it brings up a good point. I saw a post on Facebook. Um, I don't know why I just started this, but someone posted on Facebook. It was like, can these songwriters get to writing songs that people can rehearse when they get off work on the on the week, and they can sing on Sunday? Something to get us hand, you know, hand clapping, foot stomping, something where we don't need a doctorate in you know divinity to interpret, you know. So I thought that was a really good. Uh, but um, yes, that was Justin Power and Adoration. He actually has a new album out uh, that came out a few weeks ago. The Evolution of um just empower and adoration so have a really good album up here so definitely check it out clip of the week speaking of music ministry um like i said i've been watching bishop brandon jacobs and new zion temple and i've been enjoying it but um just wanted to play this clip right here as a public service announcement to you to the saints whatever that want to busy yourselves in church but don't know where to go here it goes we want you to come on Wednesday nights and we want you to join, amen, our music ministry. You got to be able to sing, amen. You got, you know, you got to know your ministry. If you can't sing, you can be an usher, you can be a greeter, you can be a nurse, amen. Hallelujah. You got to, you got to be able to hold a tune a little bit, amen. And more than in your shower, amen. Hallelujah. We want you to be able to sing. But if you, and I don't want you to want to be able to sing. You got to be able. You got to be able. But I tell you what, amen, if you can't sing, the media, nurses, ushers, greeters, parking lot attendants, we get ready to start Children's Church. I want to start that. Come on, clap your hands. Our children need to learn about Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Because some of y'all don't come to Sunday school anyway. Psalm 61. <laughs> Not him jumping into the scripture right after. Uh, yes. I, um, I loved it. Because um, you could tell it was done in love, but there was this like, you know, we need singers, but if you can sing. So I appreciate him being transparent um, about that, whatever. Um, so that was a clip of the week. So yeah, if you're busy yourself at church, you know you can't sing. The ushers is always looking for people. Media team is always looking for people. So amen to that. Mike, so the clip that you showed me while we was with you, <laughs> I was going to do the clip of the week. Should I play that? 
can you play that? Because I'm, let me tell you, that has helped two or three of my friends this week. I just sent it to them, but they was like, I needed this. Yes, I'm going to play that. Uh, here it is right here. Here's another clip for you guys. You'll take your glue. You'll take your glue. You'll take your glue. You'll take your glue. she was over um, <laughs> um but if you have ever seen this video this is a woman singing sitting in the choir there's a there's a lady sitting in the choir when i say you have facial expressions just say it's all they say it all you could tell this lady is annoyed you can tell this lady is is hungry you can tell this lady ain't got time for this today <laughs> <laughs> so when I tell you this, um, and I was I was sharing this clip with my dad. My dad said this song is actually a pretty song, but uh, when it's sung right, so um, yeah, yeah, definitely a um, definitely a our clip of the one of our two of our clips of the week. So you guys got a double clip of the week. So yeah, because my friend she was just like he'll take your gloom. I was like yes, girl, <laughs> will take your gloom. <laughs> Um, okay. Any praise reports, announcements, uh, prayer requests? Just, um, like I said, just keep people in prayers. A lot going on, you guys. Um, I think there was another school shooting either this week or last week, um, mm-hmm. that I saw. So let's just keep our babies in prayer as they go to and fro from school. Uh, also, those of you like going to homecomings and stuff, it's homecoming season. We love to see it. Please be safe. Um, going there, traveling and stuff. It's a lot of people, a lot of crazy people out here, um, that want to do you harm. So, um, please just be careful. Be very, very careful out here. Yeah, I've seen like four or five car crashes like yeah like it's it's getting crazy so it's crazy um oh yeah and then today um i was reading today that someone broke into nancy pelosi's uh home in california and like uh, brutally assaulted her husband they were looking for her can you imagine if they found her they probably would have killed her so Mm. um it's definitely um, praying time. I just hate to see with everything coming up with the election. But f- first of all, please go vote. It is like yeah, it's, it's, it's the yes yeah, election season, and this is this is this is really the the election that really matters most. Yeah, because you get to elect people that's gonna make that can make some really life 
changing decisions for you. So you know what decisions matter most to you. Please go out and vote. If you don't know where to vote, you can look it up online uh, about where to vote. Um, but please get out and go vote to let your voice be heard. Um, but also too, y'all just be careful. There's some crazy people out here. Um, when I heard about them brutally attacking her husband, the only thing I could think of is like, you know, what if something don't go their way and stuff like that? Like, right. could we see more of this and stuff like this? So it's praying time, folks because this is going to get worse before it gets better. Amen. I was thinking I might have to post some stuff out of order. This is special. So sorry, y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special. So I'm sorry. We might reference some episodes that y'all haven't heard yet. Thank you guys again for supporting us. May the Lord watch. May the Lord watch. Between me and thee. Between me and thee. While we're absent. While we're absent. One from, from another. One from another. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love somebody, guys. My life was church and all it. I'm a pew baby.